Hey guys, this is the Learning to Lose podcast with Troy Rippey and Patrick Ridge. Are you a bitch? No. No, you're not? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Was I supposed to say something there? <laughs> no, it's a question. Well, you said your like, intro and then paused and looked at me. I don't... Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just wondering if you're hey a guys. bitch. Hey guys, my name's Troy. I'm here on the Learning to Lose podcast for Pat. <clears throat> Troy is uh, one of my best friend's younger brother, Dane Rippey. For those of you who know Dane, we're going to talk a little bit about Dane, and then I want to talk a little bit about Liberty House. How many words you wrote? <laughs> How many words did you write? Dude, two million. Literally. Oh, probably. I was there for two years. So. No, like, sir, I'm going to turn this up a little bit because it helps me not talk so loud because I'm like peaking. But, uh, oh. oh, so you don't know how many words you wrote? No, no. I tried to. Approximately. Probably two million. Approximately. Someone actually kept track, but they weren't in the house as long as I was. <clears throat> Do you know how many words that is? I mean, so at Liberty House, which is the, 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 Liberty, the sober living that we both went to, I would have went. I was down to go. I was there. I would have stayed. I wanted to stay. I mean, yeah. maybe I would have went out the door at some point, but right. I was like ready to stay. And they said, but you were at Discovery House. You never actually yeah, went to I, Liberty no. House? I did. I graduated right. Discovery, which was the rehab, which was the the rehab, and then you go to the sober living. Right, but they didn't have that when I was there. It was right into it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, "You got to just go. We can't. Your parents are just insane, and yeah. they won't pay to save their kid's life." <clears throat> but you. Troy ended up going there after me um, because of me. You owe your life to me. You are who you are because of me, and you should just bow down and get on your knees and do anything I ask you to do. We're, we're right now currently in Pat's dream. So if you That's want, what Pat's dream If you be. want, you can go. Will you go grab me a, a water real quick and make me a coffee real quick? You're talking to Smalls because you're looking at me. It's crazy. <laughs> She'll say, did you wake up this morning and... And really want to get punched in the yeah. face. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Me and you have this thing now where we just bag on each other. But I think that a lot of that comes from like who Dane was. <clears throat> a lot of it was like Dane being really judgmental of me. Uh. And, and like of all my friends. And I picked up on that. I think that's like, I don't know, dude. It, for some reason, it like, it like uh, showed up in our relationship after we started hanging out after Liberty House. Where we started like... You tell me what to do, and I tell you what to do as a who, joke. Who, Dane? No, me and you. Oh, right. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, but me, I've actually always, like, been, <clears throat> like, me and Steve used to always talk shit. Yeah. Like, just to the point where it was just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but we've gotten in some real fights, though. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. And that's why we have to be careful. I mean, I just... For, for, <clears throat> the one thing for me is, like, there's certain times when I'm, like, actually trying to, like... Be serious. And just, like, handle some shit in the studio or, like, address something that's... And it's, like, you're just fucking with me. And I'm, like, dude. <laughs> and then you're, like, making fun of me because I'm, like, dude. And then there's other people around. And I'm, like, you can't treat me that way. And it just gets weird. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um... So I've learned a lot though from all of that though. I think um as bad as the fights have gotten and they've gotten pretty bad. I it's yeah. taught me a lot about like who I am and what and what goes on and how to act, you know, how to like or how not to act. Right. Mm -hmm. Or or honestly, we'll act. I mean, 
I think that <clears throat> restraint of pen and tongue is just such a big one for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, cause, cause we'll do certain things. Do you remember like, the first fight we got into the first real big fight we got into? Um, I think it was related to a girl. Yeah. yeah you're really yeah. <laughs> like protective of your, of your women. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, as your sponsor advising you that this girl was probably not good or yeah. something, mm-hmm. which probably turned it was, out. It was a hundred percent. You were a hundred percent right. On. Yeah. I even might've brought Dane into it. Cause I remember Dane not liking her or something. Uh, Dane never met her. Oh, okay. No, but, but Chris met her. And you know what's funny is Chris met her for uh, like 30 seconds and ha- formed an opinion. I don't like that girl. Right. And I got so mad. So who was this? Uh, this girl, Tara, that I did. It. Yeah, I don't even know if I... No, I don't think you met her. I don't even think I met her. I just uh, was forming an opinion based on the shit you were telling me. And I was yeah, like, this is... Right. Oh, didn't she like try to like keep your baby or some wild shit? Mm, yeah. And like not well, tell you or some fucking crazy psycho fucking bitch shit it wasn't even that i think the reason why what what the advice that you had given me was like something about how she was like really flirtatious with other dudes at the bar that i worked Mm. at she's coming blacked out she wasn't sober i was sober Mm. and she'd come into my work where i was a bartender and she'd get blacked out and like flirt with dudes Mm. yeah but like i didn't you know at the time i was just like my focus was dane you know what i mean and i need something to like distract Mm. me i guess i don't know you mean like right after he died? No, or? this is before. He was, he was sick. He was like really so sick. So he did meet Tara. Oh, he like no. didn't though. But he was there. She never came up to meet him. But or, she, you know what? She might have come up once, but. But that's who you were with when he was like towards the end. Yeah. 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 But that's the first real fight we got into. And I was like really mad at you. And things had taken a, taken a turn. Yeah. Troy's like, you fucking, I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of you, faggot. Yeah. Some crazy shit. I was like. This fool is tripping, but it really fucked me up. I remember going to, I was working at this sober living and I remember just, I just like, I vividly remember being in like the bathroom. Like I was at Indigo Ranch. Yeah, I remember. It's like wood. Mm-hmm. It's like a specific style of, of home and they had the studio and I was like setting up the music studio in the back and like, I just remember just this feeling of like, it was just, it was, I was really in like a lot of pain. I've actually said before, like this fucking guy has caused so much like pain in my life. Like, is it even worth like mending, like letting him back in? There's been thoughts of that, but I mean, yeah, of course things are so good. I'm so glad that you're like, that we're working together and yeah, you're growing. I'm very grateful. It's so cool. So am I. Like, I don't, I was just talking to Tim, like, cause he was like complaining about like how many guys did you bring to the shoot? And I was like, I don't know, bro. Like, I just want to have fun. <laughs> like, so I brought, we brought smalls, you and Oleg and we had a good time. Yeah. And Jordan was there and I was like, dude, yeah, we, I ended up actually low key, like putting him in his place because I was like, first of all, smalls was assisting Oleg. And that got approved. Right. You were there with me. You, Tim knew about that. And Jordan came for free. Right. Actually, I think I, I told Jordan I might pay him a little bit, but that like, I'll just give him a hundred bucks or something just cause I see it as an investment. <clears throat> I'm not trying to save 200. I'm trying to make 2 million. That's just yeah. like how I think. Like, I don't, I don't like, 
trip on like little things. I'm like, okay, come, come, everyone learn. Let's go, let's go. Cause the job's only, it's only three grand. So like, we're not going to lose enough. If, if someone learns something, it's like worth it. But yeah, but Tim's know. Tim. Tim should always be like that. <clears throat> no, I believe it's, 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 it's definitely important that he has that mindset. hundred percent. And I'm like, I live in a dream world sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's but, for uh, sure. <clears throat> so I just want to, cause we're also, Alex wanted to, we want to do a GoFundMe for the movie learning to lose that, 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 that we're, Okay. A Kickstarter for, for this movie because I've been trying to make this movie for a couple years and I don't really know how. Um, we wrote a script. We have a treatment. <clears throat> and the name of the movie came from a lyric in one of Dane's songs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I can't remember if I named it that before I put the music, no, I, I, I was looking for music to use in the trailer and I liked that song. And then in the song he's saying, I'm learning to lose. And I was like, wow, that's like a good name. And I can't remember how it all happened, but I just, I just know that Dane, the spirit of Dane and his music is definitely like driving a lot of the ambiance and the vibe of like what I want it to be. And obviously like he's, influenced us and just everything yeah so much i was actually having a conversation with somebody about him that doesn't know him and i brought him he came up in conversation and i was telling um somebody about how my brother had passed away at like you know he was 30 right 32 31 and um and someone was saying how sad it was and and how there was so much potential there and i was like honestly like he had such a big impact he was here for a small amount of time but the impact he had was so large like i can't imagine him like it just i I mean and and honestly like it's funny that you say that alex also pay attention because i want to make sure you're getting what you want i one of my goals is to make that impact even bigger Mm mm-hmm by using those songs. Cause I think he left behind some of the greatest songs. I'm not even like, sometimes when I say that he was as good of a songwriter as like Bradley Noel or Lane Staley or like Kurt Cobain, like I think to myself, ah, that maybe it's just cause he was your friend and that can't be right. But I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like, and, and so <clears throat> it's just fucking like, are there other people that left behind music like that? Like, maybe, I don't know. But, like, those songs on SoundCloud are crazy. Well, like, well, you well, can listen to the music. Uh, it's under Dead Horse Revival, which he's also was a genius when it came to, like, thinking of band names. Like, therapist. Therapist. Like, a therapist. That's but it's spelled, like, therapist. And it's also, like, the rapist. So, like you could rape somebody. We're raping you with the music. And we're also like your personal therapist with our music, but it's also, we're also like pissed off because we're young and we're just pissed off punks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a great band name. And then uh, alive at 27 is such a great band name. Yeah. Alive at 27. Cause all the great artists died at 27 and, um, dead horse revival was like, like beating a dead horse, like yeah. dead horse revival. Like that's, that was the name of his, project i i we, we i produced some music for him and 
I started like the Gone. That song Gone. Yeah, did. Brian. Well, anything that he left behind is on that page. It, if you just search Dane Rippy, yeah, on SoundCloud, there's like 30 songs. I think what made him so great too is also found in some of his lyrics how he talks about like we're imitations at best. It's yeah, like Dane's. That song is insane. Yeah, but like the re- the reason what makes him so dynamic and like cool, I think to us is like his influencers. Like he loved, yeah, you know, like really artistic band, Jaw- Jawbreaker, for instance, yeah. and Lagwagon. And I mean, I have the room next to him growing up, and all the music that I was taught was coming from his room. Yeah, and like he would well, tell I me mean, about the lyrics, all- and it was just you know, <clears throat> but he was such a connoisseur of music in so many different types. And he yeah. he literally maxed out his iPod. Right, so he's got so, fourteen thousand so, songs. In his yeah, iPod. but like all the go-to punk bands, yeah, he studied all that. But then like. He was studying jazz artists and like he. he <clears throat> we can like actually play this music. So I produced this one. But this is the imitations. <laughs> So he's saying, like, hey there, <clears throat> like, I see you're, you're glaring at me because you know you've heard this before somewhere else. Yeah. The, the song that he's playing. I'm sure you're right on. I don't really get that part. Said, well, the master of the obvious trophy isn't that me bear, <clears throat> right? You're just saying you're the master of the obvious. You took the trophy of master of the obvious from me. That means you are being the master of the obvious. Is all he's saying, right? And, really and he's saying, you know, um, we're all imitations at best. We're we're, we're just a. Cl- um, <clears throat> what did he say right there at, the, at that la- at that last part? We're just a, a collective mass. We're just one big collective. Massive influence imitations, imitations at best, which is like what you're saying. Like he, yeah. he's, he's basically just a collective of right. all the music he, and that's all we are as artists. Like, that's why I love, <clears throat> um, Alex Tutone, born and raised. His production company is called what you steal. Whoa. Cause like great artists yeah. copy, but like the best artists steal. <laughs> like fuck copying it. I'm just going to straight up steal that. That's stolen. and just call it my own. That's stolen. My yeah. my dad has the real painting in his office. I don't know who did it. Really? Oh yeah. hundred percent. He's saying Matt Mc, he's pointing at a Matt McCormick painting, but then, <clears throat> don't get so down. So he's profundity? saying, yeah, so Profoundness? Y- your criticism isn't so profound, right? Yeah. Like we're just imitation. The profundity in your criticism Listen, has fizzled out. My, my dad was, my dad is a writer. Yeah. You know what I mean, right. so, and my mom's a, a watercolor artist. So it's like this weird mesh of artist, art, like, you know, artisticness yeah. that he grew up around. So he's, he's, for, for, he said, he said, so for long, 
for long I've tried to stay true and original, but now. The best is when you're no, playing this saying, song. But now I've gone and thrown it all away as he's imitating the queen. Right. He's well, going, I fuck trying to be original. I, I, I don't care anymore. But, but he's not just saying it, he's doing the it queen out. lyric. But now I've gone yeah. and. And then this part, this is like one of my favorite. On the little, this is the little Casio horn on your mom's keyboard. That's smaller than you, much bigger than me. That's just one of my favorite songs of his. <clears throat> Actually, Allison had this CD, and I ripped it from. Do you have this? Yeah, you I have, have it like it. somewhere. Yeah. I so I that was one of my favorite ones, but I didn't really even like know like what he was saying. I actually tried to sing it. I had a uh, Jeremy re- reproduce it, and I tried to sing it, and in Trying to sing it, I just was realizing how gnarly the vocal melody is and where he's going and how high he's going and just how insane, how high level his songwriting is. And I've also learned a couple of his songs because I want the person in the movie to be like writing these songs and playing these songs. So we need to know what they are. Dude, I have some of like the original paper he wrote the songs on. Yeah, that's I have a cool. bag full of stuff. It's like hard for me. I don't go through it really. <clears throat> it's kind of weird. When he passed away, it was like I was launched into a bunch of action. I mean, I was like newly sober, and yeah. like, we knew it was coming for a long time. And he was very sick at the end, and there was a lot of like, um, you know, like medical stuff that I was doing for him that I just had to like grit my teeth and do. And watching Nicole and my parents, and so much drama that like when he finally passed, it was like. Like I cried when my brother actually did pass. I remember going to your house and you said you had all these tapes of him and we like mm. made this movie for his service. I cried for two weeks every day. Yeah. We, just, we just come over and we'd make the movie. Yeah. And that, that, that playing that was insane. Oh my God. That was maybe one of the most <clears throat> incredible like moments of like my life. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. And we like that movie played in front of everyone yeah I don't and they got to hear watching it. i was just in tears the whole time but but that was like like i felt like that was like i was re- i was feeling so much when that played and then i got to go up and like talk about him and <clears throat> lunches that's what you said yeah you went you went up and you started with lunches <laughs> this is he's, amazing because he used to always let's go yeah. have lunch you yeah. know like like that's what's important uh, in life like let me go have lunch with my friends yeah he would always want to have lunches with us yeah <clears throat> i remember just, having lunches with you with and dane yeah yeah i like lamppost you'd meet up and you'd be all chaotic and shit yeah i'm not like i'm not having a lunch <laughs> i'm getting to work <laughs> you know yeah but, dane was always he, at a lower speed than most people because he had it like figured out that was kind of the moral of my thing when I was talking about him because there was, I stayed up at night writing notes and thinking about what I wanted to say and trying to make sense of his life and why did he die and what can, what can the silver lining be and what can we take away from it? And 
<clears throat> at that time I was actually, you know, going through the prime time thing, which was like, mm. what, did, what did you do? Do you know what you're doing? <clears throat> um, well, it's just <laughs> fucking Wickham, dude. It just went, <laughs> it's just the, the screen just, you know, let's just turn the fucking thing off. Let's keep it moving. No, I was, uh, yeah, I was trying to find the silver lining and I was also going through five years sober, finding prime time, realizing that like external shit's not as important as I thought it was. And wherever you go, there you are. And it's like the target's always moving and then going to his house and being with him and spending time with him. Yeah, that was, was a, sick. Opened my eyes to like some crazy shit, which was like, dude, you need to stop being yeah. unsatisfied. <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, an interesting time. I mean, we had no idea what was going to happen. Um, you know, we had like good news and then bad news and then worse news and then okay news. And you know what I mean? It was like this weird roller coaster all the time. And it got to a point where, and I was like, you know, working right out of sober living and just working all the time, trying to pay rent. And then I'd come up to visit and my brother would just be on the couch. And that's like all he did. He watched Breaking Bad. And I'm dude, it's crazy as I'm watching Breaking Bad right now for the second time. The last time I saw it was with him. And I'm like, it's season four right now. But I used to come up to see him and he'd just be on the couch. That's all he could do. Eat licorice, be on the couch. Couldn't really do much. Could barely walk. And like, I remember thinking to myself, wow. like, like when, when you're sick from school and stuff, like the first day is like dope. Cause like you don't have to do anything. Right. You're on the, couch. the second day or the third day, you're kind of like, all right, this is getting old. Like right. I'm sick of this. Like uh-huh. what's like, what's my purpose? Like we got to do something. And so I put myself in his shoes and I was like, God, this has got to be absolutely miserable. All you get is licorice and like a TV show. Like we have to give him something. Right. Like what, why else would he want to like <laughs> pursue getting better? And so. Um, I always wanted to talk to him, especially after, really after I got sober and I really wanted to have a deeper connection with him and I wasn't so selfish. I really wanted to talk to him about his music and like why he wrote certain songs and who they were about. And I never got the opportunity to do that. So, uh, you helped me a lot and we sat him down and we, Tim gave him a guitar and, uh, and he'd play some songs and he would like talk about the lyrics and describe it and. Well, t- t- the reason he needed a guitar because t- he needed to have he needed like a small acoustic. It wasn't so hard big, in his fingers. He just was like just yeah. getting big. His stomach was was uh, like distended, and his head yeah. his head was bald, and he was like he had edema, but he was like was super insane. skinny from his waist up. Dude, I, j- I actually had a dream about him. Dude, I have dreams about him all the time. Oh my god, Whoa. it's insane. No, like I had this reoccurring dream that like he made it through wow. and he's like, okay. And he's like, and I keep like worried about like, are you are, like, he would, he'll jump or like, or like fall and I'll be like, oh, are you good? Like, and he's like, I'm, I'm just remembering it right now. Whoa. This reoccurring dream that I keep having. It's kind of crazy. It's, nuts. it's really crazy. I don't get to have dreams about him. Sucks. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm not sure. What do you mean you don't get to? I don't I don't have dreams about him. I want to. Yeah. But I don't really have It's insane, to. dude. It's like a reoccurring dream. Like that's a dream that I have all the time. Him like me in disbelief that he's like still here mm-hmm. and got through that and is like it's almost as if it's coming, but it just keeps getting postponed. And it's like yeah. I don't know, but he's still with us. And then this other dream I have is that I'm relapsed and I'm hiding it from everyone. 
Well, that's I'm like not smoking a, a little weed. That's not a dream, Pat. That actually. <clears throat> yeah, like uh, it's weird. I, in my dream, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're actually not sober. Yeah, I've you're had just those. like getting high on the side. We and, all like, have those. That's it's like, weird. Uh, but it's not like I'm like fully getting loaded. I'm like dabbling with weed. Yeah. Now and then, I honestly believe that's the same thing of like when you see fire and you like are careful around fire. It's the same kind of like instinct. You know what I mean? Like your brain is having like, oh my god. Stay away from that. You don't want to do that while you're doing while you're dreaming. I have those too. Right. Yeah. Larry used to say, it's uh, it's the disease leaving your body. Yeah. It, it, it's the relapses. <clears throat> um, this song was called Taco Bell a. in A, yeah. which is Taco Bell in Agora, because mm-hmm. he wrote it in Taco Bell in Agora. <clears throat> And I just used it for the trailer. And then I renamed it Learning to Lose. And the podcast is called Learning to Lose. And then this is the end. It's one, it's, we're at 57 seconds. And then it dies. That's how it died. You hear the tape recorded in the background? That's why it's, I do. I love it even more. Because it's of that. one minute <laughs> of pure genius. Um, <clears throat> I mean, learning to lose. It's really weird that that hasn't been coined. That's not. It hasn't been a movie. It hasn't been a book. It hasn't really. Yeah, not that I know. So, you know, Dane just really he felt things. I think a lot more uh, interesting than yeah, other people. I mean, yeah. everyone learns to lose on on some level or experiences pain, but he like really he could see things and and explain them a lot better than most people I knew. I mean, it's so weird to me. Like the whole thing with Kelly, he had a girlfriend that like went to Australia and like decided that she wasn't going to stay with him while she's in Australia. Mm. And I remember him going through that and like, he didn't really talk to me about much, but the way that he told me about like how he felt was so gnarly. Like it wasn't a, it was, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was so like, it was minimal, but it was like so real. And I couldn't even like imagine that happening to me. Mm. But I remember like he wrote songs. <clears throat> I think actually a song specifically about that. And it was just like the, the way that he could describe an emotion was I've never seen it before. Yeah. It was really weird. And so that's why with these, I hear these songs. It's like, dude, it's so real for me, especially people. Other people like them too. But I mean, for me, it's like real. Yeah. So gnarly. just just to be clear. Um, I've worked with a lot of artists, producers, songwriters. Um, Dane was <clears throat> the most talented artist I've ever met in my life. And um, you can hear... Besides me. Yeah. You, you Actually, <clears throat> it's one of the reasons That's I a love joke. Troy so much because he kind of is, embodies some of Dane's spirit. But if you want to go to SoundCloud and just search Dane Rippey, D-A-N-E-R-I-P-P-E-E, or just Dead Horse Revival. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we got a SoundCloud for him where all these songs are, and we have 66 followers, and um, Imitations at Best has almost 1,000 plays. But um, The people from Agora. Yeah, it's our little... The homies love it. Yeah, it's our they little always love it. secret, you know? But, I mean, I want more people to discover it yeah. and learn about it. Alex! Yeah. What else? Alex, what else? Uh, Alex, what else do you need for your... What? What, 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 what do you need? I'm sorry, what did you just say? I think what you guys 
You didn't have a shot. But, 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 but were, you, were you paying attention to what we were saying? Why aren't yeah. you filming this? Smalls, why aren't you filming this? Did anyone get a story? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? You're not even on Instagram? No, seriously. Oh, okay, cool. You're a little bit too loud in the mic. It's good, though. I mean, but you're just, it's going to be peaking a little bit. So we're going to move on. Yeah. Liberty House? Were you if you if, talk about what? Why do we need to do this Kickstarter? Oh yeah, so I've been trying to fucking make this movie. Actually, me and Ricky have been gotten into fights about it. Ricky just walked in. You fight with Ricky? <clears throat> well, dude, I used How to remember when I used to pull people out of the studio to film shit for the movie. Yeah. It was like crazy. Like Ricky just walked in. What are you doing here? Oh, that's the camera. Daylight dollar short. The fact that you even Thank fight you. with Ricky is testament enough that... No, I didn't fight with him. He, we, we were just bringing up... It's impossible to fight with Ricky. Yeah, but it's hard, you know? So it's hard to make a movie. And this is just a part of the story behind what motivated the movie. And Alex thought it was interesting. I love that he's able to see from an outside perspective. Like, and actually, Chris was talking about writing Dane into the script hmm. as like an actual... And then he actually talked about writing your character into the script, like this, the brother of the guy. That's going to be a different movie. I just want you to know that. <clears throat> it's a different... You're welcome for this, by the way. You should just talk into the mic when you're saying and this. I was like, you know, Troy, why, are, why aren't you in the bathroom, like for the scene or whatever? I'd seen him like shooting and stuff, and he's right. like, "Oh, I'm nine years sober or eight at the time, like eight years sober," and this is the first night I ever met Troy. Right. And then he's like, "Oh, I, you know, we were talking and like, what's the story behind that?" And then it goes to Pat, then it goes to Dane, and yeah, it's just, just crazy to see. Yeah. So and then I, I and then I found out real quick. Then I found out that he. He like does YouTube stuff, and that's when I had you talk to him. Right. So you're welcome for this gentleman. No, yeah, it's right cool. We're benefiting Troy, a lot from Troy. He's a real member of the tribe. That's what me and Tim were talking about last night. Right. <clears throat> we have this tribe, right? And whatever. This is just that we were talking about having a mission statement and like just trying to attract certain people, like Ricky or you or Alex or people that believe in this vision of like camaraderie family ship tribal team it's like you know we'll have outside independent contractors but like i'm interested in like having like a band of brothers like i don't want to i want to have fun i want to do shit with my friends i don't want to just be the director who like outsources everything like i don't know like i don't it doesn't like appeal i'm more interested in having like a pirate ship yeah and everyone has like we know each other and it's more fun yeah but um i've been sober for four serious yeah, but it's also kind of in a way more serious because you really get to know, like, you, you. It's almost like the Cohen brothers. Like they finish each other's sentences. Like they know each other. Like what if you had a crew that like just knew everyone and everyone's role? It's just everything can operate so much more smoothly. I mean, that's why like a lot of times you see the same actors in a lot of the same directors' mm-hmm. films, and you have the same editors and. There are teams, but it's just a little different here because new media is like this new thing and, and independent companies are needing more and more content. So it's giving us kids the opportunity to like have a real company, like not a kid. learning as we go. I know, but I still kind of think I'm a kid, but I'm mm-hmm. not. But I have kids working That's good, for me. That's good, though. That's good. <clears throat> so I've been sober for 14 years, and, and when I was sober for like three or four, like 
we, me and Dane knew that Troy was fucking all tweaked out on meth, delusional on. fighting. Let's, let's back it up real quick. Yeah. The first time I ever met you, right? Well, I don't remember the first time I ever met you because I've known you a no, long it wasn't time. The, yeah. But the first like real memory I have of like noticing who you were as a character, you parked the delusion van on my parents' lawn, front lawn, and I live in like a nice neighborhood, so that's out of line. Then you get out of the car, the car starts rolling backwards, and you slam the parking brake on. You walk out into the middle of my lawn and you yell at my parents, what's Dane's deal? <laughs> you were so wasted. And I was, wow. I was outside with, with Ray and Jay and you walked up and you looked at Jay. You knew who they were too because like you knew, their, you knew uh, Kim uh, Rattolo. And you walked up to Jay and you looked Jay in his face and you go, what's up, Ray? And we were like, dude, this guy, is, and he had dreadlocks. This uh-huh. guy's out of his mind. Wow. And Dane came outside and like wrangled you up and put but you in the like, car and drove away. But like intentionally confusing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a psycho. I wasn't like drunk or like, I was like, I know this kid's name is Ray, but I'm going to address this guy as Ray. Yeah. As I'm taught, like I was just crazy. You, what you were was a schizophrenic bulldog. No, or that was me. Just actually, like your actual schizophrenic pit bull. No, but that actually was me being like, a, like a, I was doing like um, improvisational artistry. <laughs> like just like confusing okay. people and like doing like this weird like punk rock. Like, like, like park the car on the lawn, say some weird shit, confuse right, right. these kids. Let's go to band practice. Like. Just fucking out of my mind, you know? Wow. But like living in this weird, like, I don't know, dude. It's, like, it's like, Johnny, hard to like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's kind of why like, I want to make this movie because, like, the shit that I know about, like, suburban drug use and, like, behavior and, like, interactions and friendship and music and. Yeah. It's something that not a normal director could know. And the shit I want to put in the movie is like that real, like what you guys, how you guys conversate when you go fishing or just like the little, the little nuances between friends and the spaces in between and like all this stuff. I really would like to make it a show, but whatever. Bottom line is we need some fucking money because I've already sunk like thousands and thousands of dollars into this like trailer and the script and like the pitch. And, um, you know, we sent it to Andy he hasn't gotten back to me yet, and I don't. If anybody know, I don't know if anybody knows Andy Horowitz or whatever. I mean, we're doing some work for him right now, but I'm putting him on blast a little bit. Get back to me. Is it a good script? Is it a bad script? I don't care. Whatever. Give me some feedback. I'm gonna hit you up anyways. Cause it's opening up the doors, guys. The hard thing is like for me, it's so close to my heart that I'm like, it's hard for me to like reach out and be like, hey, how was that? And then they go, oh, what are you doing? You're going to Jason Evigan's house, Elephant Heart's house. Their new song is uh, on the Apple iPods commercial. I'll come over later, maybe. Everything's a plug. With well, c- congratulate them. Everything's a plug. Yeah. So, I, and I think one of my main, my, my one of my prime, my primary purpose actually is to help another alcoholic. Because if I'm not sober, I die, I relapse, and <laughs> later, bro. We'll see you tomorrow. Ricky is the man. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. We're, we're trying to dial the shoulder rig and shit. I love you. <clears throat> so, um, so, so, yeah, that's how I met Pat. I was just I don't care. Talking. No, one, no one cares. You talk too much anyway. So anyway, I met Pat like that. He was crazy. And, I, and a lot of my brother's friends were crazy and unpredictable and like terrifying. Brian Demersion being one of them. Mm. Who's still. He used to throw stale bagels at me. Adam Hallett chased me around with a cow prong. 
Like they they put me in a trash cattle prod, like the those you know those zappers, a cattle prod, whatever those things are. Yeah, and uh, they put me in trash cans, mm. and rolled me around the neighborhood, and ditched me, and all that kind of cool stuff. But yeah, no, I grew up in a in a in a neighborhood that really like you know Gora Hills is like do a bunch of drugs. Everyone's got money, and parents are always out of town and party and right. Yeah, and I think that like the the reality of like rich kids and using drugs and privilege and money and um psychological trauma and parenting and family all the all that stuff is like really interesting really relatable and um also can be super helpful if 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 you leave somebody with an inspiring message and hope and like I don't think enough people understand that there's a way out. You know, I don't think enough people understand that there's a clear, simple way out of that dark, you know, code, the d- dependency on drugs and alcohol. Um, I didn't really know. And then I heard about Robert McInerney and I ran into Taylor or, um, um, what's her name? Robert's sister. Oh, um, <clears throat> God, you're going to, Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I I try to help people. I I talk about it on Instagram. We picked up the kid. You want me to talk about how I picked up some random kid on the street and fucking drove him home and asked him to sponsor him, but he didn't call me back. Um, not quite. Yeah. Okay. I I was, you know, I, I, I mean, I always would, I'm always willing to talk to anyone. I'm not anymore. Yeah, I am. I've reached my limit. Yeah, see, that's you're looking at it wrong. I think maybe. Well, we just Probably. have to, the truth is that no matter how many people we talk to or try to help, it doesn't matter what they do. It helps us to help others. Yeah, so it's helping me. It's yeah. almost a selfish pursuit. But I really, know I understand where you're coming from. It was like that for me for a long time, and then it, and, and I think it, because of Alex, maybe it like really it, it hit me weird. I worked in treatment for six years. Alex, my best friend, Wolf. Oh uh, yeah, well you can't invest. You invest too much. Maybe I don't know, but right? I worked, in treatment. You fucking burn I worked out. in treatment for six years and I did all that whole yeah. thing. And then, and then like really no. what happened was I saw my parents side of things from his parents. You know what I mean? Like his parents are going through what my parents went through, yeah. but like it started giving me these flashbacks of like Dane was sick at the time <clears> and I was in Culver city and wouldn't answer phone calls. My parents had the police looking for me and no, you, 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 you help people. You, you, you're totally into it. Like if I, if someone came and we started talking, you, yeah, you would, would talk. Yeah. But you, it's not the level that I used to be where it was like, okay, I'll yeah. find you a treatment center. And like, this is what you're going to do. Well, and, you go too hard. You burn out. Yeah. That's kind of like your, actually, I think that's actually kind of like your pattern. And I think if you care or even, are interested in what I might have to, what I might, you know, if I can, you know, give you some, don't be so careful. You can just say it. If I can just say what I think could be something that would help you if you worked on being a little less extreme, you know, cause you, you burn out. Like we have to pace ourselves, you know, yeah. it's almost like you're talking to yourself for sure. <laughs> I see it in you. It's the same yeah. thing in me. And for I've sure. learned to kind of like take a step back so that I can preserve that, those soul points mm-hmm. and make them last longer. Yeah, yeah. Soul points are like, <clears throat> you know, what you might think they are. They're, you only have so many, you know, and if you just keep giving them up, 
you're going to drain the well. And it's like, I, I, I only have so many. And, and, and Mark Duplass talked about this at, at a speech he gave at South by Southwest, you know, about doing things you want to do, doing things you love to do and preserving your love for whatever thing it is you're doing. And if you don't want to do something in regards as it relates to something that you love, you should weigh that. Is that going to cost me a soul point? Is it worth doing? Right. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Hmm. So I just took a, I try to take a big step back. Um, so, so, <clears throat> so tell everybody how you, with the whole getting me to Liberty house, how that happened. Cause you I don't tell them. I don't remember. Well, I walked it? up to you and I said, what's up? What's the last no, no, time no, no. you used? Before all that, I was in Culver city. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was doing crystal meth. For well, like I don't know. Did I call years. you someone? Well, I, we, we, you know, Dane, we all were trying to get you sober. What you were obviously, but the, the magical moment happened where you were just out front of Dane's of the house. And I just hit you up and I just called yeah, your yeah. bluff and I looked you in the eye and I was like, Oh, when's the last time? No, you said you're high. Right. And I was like wide eyed. Right. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I didn't say you're high. I said, <clears throat> what's up? How you been? When's la- so you've been trying to get sore. When's the last time you used? You're like, Oh, um, I don't remember whether you answered me or not. I was like, was it, was it, you know, a couple hours ago or earlier today or yesterday? Like I didn't give you the option <laughs> to say like a month ago. Right. Because right. I kind of knew what I know to be true about all addicts and alcoholics yeah. You're not going to go a day. No. And and if it's been 24 hours, but that's back then, all man. you're trying to do is get lit. But that's that back then I understood sober being just not on heroin or uh, not on meth, but like drinking and smoking weed. That's, that's still sober. That's like what I knew back then. What do you there, mean? There was no being off of pot and like alcohol. Well, that's which, not but you were like, actually you had actually just done meth though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what, like, what I'm saying is, like, if you asked me if I didn't do meth that day, but I was like smoking weed, and you asked me if I was sober, I'd be like, yeah, and I would believe it, right? And I knew that because I would do the same thing. Like, I would think, I would literally, in my mind, be like, oh, you're sober, yeah, because the pills I took yeah, evened you out two hours ago. I did. I I didn't feel <laughs> them right. at that moment. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sober. Like, right. When I literally took an 80 milligram Oxycontin like two hours ago yeah. and they last eight hours. <clears throat> you can just tell yourself any, I mean, I'm still trying to convince myself it's okay to sleep till 2 PM. That's how powerful my mind is. It's not okay. <laughs> Forget about what I said on Instagram two weeks ago. It's not okay. <laughs> and I feel shame all day long when I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone has their battles. Everyone has their struggles. I mean, my Why do you feel shame about it, though? Hold on a minute. Why do you feel shame about sleeping until 2? <clears throat> um, because I can get up at 11 and get more done. And I don't know. I just, I just do. And I, I just can't. I think you know why you feel shame. I can't convince myself. But I think you know why you feel shame. Well, I'm telling you. Yeah, but you keep saying I don't know. I don't know why. Because people are working when you're sleeping. Yeah, but the world, all your company, everything revolves around basically. Yeah, because I, I, it would be better if I woke up earlier. Right. It would just be better for me. I would feel better. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, but at the same time, like we'll work here till 2 a.m. when everyone else is sleeping. For sure. But that's like, it's a little bit like isolationist. 
Yeah, this is why. Because I get up at 11.30 and I go, mm, I don't want to face any of this right. uncomfortable shit. I don't want to think about eating healthy. I don't want to think about working out. I don't want to think about talking to any human. Right. I'm going to go back into the fetal position and sleep because that's just like easy and like I'm just going to avoid all and, and any uncomfortable and I can and right. it's very difficult for me to be my own parent because like my parents were very like lenient and I smoked weed with my mom and they didn't discipline me so I'm trying to be my own wow I mean could you imagine like getting this vulnerable and honest in front of however many people are going to listen to this 47 I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. You know, like there's a, there's there's definitely people listening, and I've had people hit me up saying people listen it. when you have people of substance, on, not not some dude from Agora. Like no, you're, are, actually, your friends will listen to this. I one. don't even really care though, because like I, yeah. I already know of like a couple handfuls of people that like listen, and it helps them. Right. Done. Cool. It's enough for me. Because yeah. if they were all here in the room, yeah, we would all be like... That'd be rad. I mean, there's thousands of downloads. That's crazy. If we had like a thousand people like, like that we were talking don't, to... Don't, don't start telling me that. I, I mean, it's not... It's not... Dude, Joe Rogan gets like hundreds of thousands on each episode. Yeah. But whatever. So... Um, is there anything else you think? Uh, so the movies, movies are hard to make. We're going to do a Kickstarter. I mean, are you just going to edit all this it might make sense now that I'm now that we're doing the long form podcast. It actually might make sense to kind of do like a more. If you need more, let me know. Yeah. Or if there's anything else specifically that no, you want, like, right? For this part, this is like perfect. Well, okay, well, cool. Well, okay, so hold on. And the audio is going to sound really good. What was it? If you want. Yeah. But you have this. Yeah. No, I have like a ton of stuff. This is purely for the. Learning oh no, we're about movie. to go into like some other shit. Okay. I just wanted, but you needed something for learning to lose. Yeah, because we're really trying to like. Plus, I'll, Chris is legitimate. I'll say this: I don't know of a movie that could talk about uh, drug use and the pursuit of changing a life. Yeah. from a person who has not only firsthand knowledge, but yeah. like the people that we spend time with, day in and day out, what we constantly do. You know what I mean? Plus, we have an artistic perspective in all of it. You literally lived a life that yeah. you were trying to portray, and I don't know if like. It's really cheesy other movies that kind of do this kind of thing. Yeah, like that would be really cool if we put that scene in where I pull up on the lawn. Yeah, oh, my God. Like that. You can't write that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. What the fuck's Dane's deal? Yeah. Or I can't remember. Is that what I said? You said, what's Dane's deal with your arms out like an idiot? Like staring at my parents. Like who, your, by the way, my parents are like way like they're just that's not chill. Like who says that to someone's parents yeah. with the car park? And another time I crashed through Carrie's garage. Yeah. There like a, a two car garage has like the doors that open like this and there's a pillar in the middle, a concrete pillar. I went through that backed out, parked on the other side of the street and picked him up. <laughs> and I'm like, yo dog, I'm here. He's like, dude, someone just fucking crashed into my garage. I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, Let's go. That we're going to go to the Hold concert. And he didn't, he, I, I don't think he <laughs> saw the fucking, he didn't see the hood. Someone, he got in the car. Someone yeah. crashed into uh, It was like my chaos. Garage. But it wasn't I, you. No. Yeah. I didn't tell him it was me till. I know, but the fact I don't that he know didn't that think I ever, that. It was like months crazy. later. Yeah. 
I remember, dude, Greg Rosa. Oh, but this was after like a whole excursion off-road, dogging my dad's Suburban out. And there was this hood-ass fool Jimmy, this black kid in the back from like the ghetto who was like shook. He was like, damn, these crazy-ass white boys like scaring me right now. It's crazy. Like but this area, thing. Like, this area is, I was that psycho. was, that was like every week there'd be something like that with somebody happening. Yeah. It's like, I think, I think that that's another thing I want to like kind of shed some light on. <clears throat> I think that people, there's this idea that like ghetto, like poor, like subvert, like, like, um, lower class, like people are more like hard or crazy than like the suburban kids but they're just different and and suburban kids can be like just as fucking gnarly in like a different way i'll say this though you know what i'm saying does that make sense though what what i'm trying to say yeah but i also thought i was really hard and then i went to jail yeah and i was chained to a guy who was arrested for robbing armored cars with ak-47s and his partner blew off the head of one of the armored car guys well yeah but that could happen anywhere Maybe so, but the second he said that, I realized I'm from Agora Hills and I'm a good kid, a good boy. He doesn't want to for spend sure. Time. But like my uncle Sean is right, exactly. Will play ball with anyone. Yeah, there's perspective to all. And of he's that. doing hard time right now. Yeah, that, that's a, and he got shot in the back with a sawed-off shotgun, and just he's fucking, he's insane. But he's also like a spoiled, privileged right. little fucking brat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he's just I don't know, it's just like different. It's like money mm-hmm. <clears throat> it doesn't make you soft in all areas. It almost gives sometimes you it, it does. almost gives you I would you say the, sometimes it does. Some in some areas it does, but it all also almost gives you the ability to learn about other things that people that don't have money don't right. understand or could never have access to. So it's just a... That's another kind of thing I want to shed a little bit of light on. I want I want to, I want a scene where like the gangster kid is like scared because mm-hmm. they're off road in like a Z seventy one about to like fall off the cliff and like and my well, character's man. just like fucking doesn't yeah. give a shit. He's like literally got a death wish, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, what was your question? Well, I mean, look, the, 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 like I said before, the big takeaway is that when you finish this movie, you're going to understand that using drugs is only an escape to avoid like real shit and <clears throat> that you should be addressing. And like being sober actually is like what's dope and there's a way to do it. And I'll, this is how, let right. me just finish and then you can talk. That's how this works. Feelings are hurt right now. No, this I'm good. I'm fine. We're in the middle of it. So the and there's an opioid epidemic happening, and this is I want to show some truth and transparency into what it's really like. It's not just the kid's fault. It's a whole family dynamic. Mm-hmm. It starts with the fucking parents, and it has to end with the fucking parents. And the kids have to be willing. And you have people like Anthony Bourdain and Robin Williams and Chris Cornell and people that have amazing lives that are killing themselves. The lead singer of Lincoln park, like the grass isn't always greener and mental illness is like a real thing. Alcoholism really for me is like the main thing using drugs over a long period of time does something to your fucking brain. 
And to undo that, it's not just like a 30 day fucking rehab. Mm -mm. So I just want to like, I just want more people to understand addiction, how to get out of it, what it means to be in it. Understanding is the key to all this. And I just think that Alcoholics Anonymous, drug addiction, uh, mental health, it's all just like issues that aren't, there's not enough light being shed on those issues especially as it relates to like young kids and like what drives them and like what. So I just want to like, kind yeah. of like I shed the, some light on that. The entertainment industry is failing on doing exactly what you're trying to do. I mean, the reason why I'm sober is because I saw somebody have depth and weight and purpose that had my problem <clears throat> and it inspired me. And that's what this movie would be doing. Yeah, showing exactly. depth and weight yeah, like from cool- an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, and also there's a lot of truth to it. Like I got sober and started a group, got like a lot of fans, toured the world, and I actually and I actually was like doing something cool sober and um in the movie this character gets sober and does some of his best work. You don't need to be high to create art. That's another right. stigma I want to like shatter. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot to this, but does that? Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. I just find it interesting. You know, there's like programs like Dare out there. Mm-hmm. I've seen like Dare making a comeback, but it's mm-hmm. like, I think it's movies like this. Yeah. Like you said, that are really going to explain what's behind the addiction, this whole complex, like the family. Yeah. And you know, like what's out there. Cause this stuff people in the suburbs don't like talking about. And it's finally, they have to talk about it now cause it's a crisis. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is, is if you want to, the name, the actual name of the movie is kind of like the biggest theme mm-hmm. for me of, of why people, or at least why I missed the mark, like winning, the pressure to win and to succeed and the thought of like losing is just so hard to bear. And our society doesn't make it any easier. You know, all we see online is like people winning mm-hmm. and beautiful people. And it's just like, that, if that's, if that's what you are seeing, I mean, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's oversaturated with, with, I mean, look, if you know, 99% of people, when they take a photo, they want to look good. They don't want to look real, right? We want, to, we want to glorify our lives. Everyone wants to look good, and they want to seem doing better than they are. So we're, and not only that, but like advertisements and money and buy music culture, buy this, buy that. I got money. I'm fucking your bitch. I got a Lamborghini. Right. Look at my cars. All this shit is just perpetuating this idea of like, I mean, winning Charlie Sheen winning. I'm fucking winning this whole thing. It's like, no losing is actually the best thing for you. It's not really losing though. It's just like a part of life, Mm -hmm. you know, like learn to lose, learn to accept loss, learn to just grow from it and just like cruise. Like, let's just play the game. Yeah. It's just a game. It's just a series of games. So I think shattering that <clears throat> concept too, like the grass isn't greener and all the cars, success, money, bitches, it, that, it says it in the trailer. That stuff's not going to make you happy. 
Yeah, Troy drank 25 bangs, so he has to take a fucking piss. Oleg just came home. What, what are you up to? Oleg, <laughs> Yeah, so those concepts. Oh, also, one thing I did want to convey in the movie is some uh, the actual feeling that I get when I'm like in a meeting and I'm hearing certain things like I want that to translate in the movie <clears throat> certain speakers are I mean I've heard Anthony Hopkins speak Robert Downey Jr. Alec Baldwin Anthony Kiedis um, <clears throat> you know incredible human beings I mean not just to name that the actors are the reason I name actors because you know them but Randy's an insane speaker. Perry, Ron, um, Tony Z, like these are all great speakers. Um, Astrid. And when I hear these people speak, they touch me. And when I'm in the movie, and when I'm in the fucking meeting listening to them speak, I'm being touched. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I wish the world could. I wish I could transmit this to the world. And um, that's part of my goal is to actually recreate those moments by having the sober companion talking to my character about ego self bondage of self how um dependency on material dependency on anything is is going to lead to disappointment how ego is meant to separate you from others i want people to get some of what I've been given so freely. Like, you know, you know how sometimes you're in a meeting and it's like, you're just like, Oh my God, this is so incredible. Yeah. Like I want people to feel that when they watch it. Yeah. And the best part about it is you don't need to be an addict to get anything from this. This is just basically universal principles for any human being that benefit everybody. You know what I mean? It's not going to be only specifically for one person. No, you know what I mean? And so, that's the thing about like AA is just like unbelievable is the, the principles are universal. My parent, my mom uses them. My dad uses them since they've been exposed to all of it. It's like just being well, a better person. It's, and, it, it pretty much is the sermon on the Mount. Yeah. It pretty much is Christianity. Yeah. And that might turn off a lot of people, but like low key, definitely like, turned me off for sure. Low key, but. just like read mere Christianity by CS Lewis and tell me that you're not yeah. about that life. Right. I don't really care what you call it. You know, I don't, I'm not gonna. I don't call myself a Christian, but I'm trying to live with a certain set of principles like honesty, humility, faith, courage, selflessness. When you hire an addict to work on this film, have you got the money? A sober addict in recovery, yeah. If I, if I got money, I would hire a sober addict in recovery. I wouldn't hire a practicing addict. <laughs> I would let. <clears throat> I would let a prac. I would let a prac. <laughs> Are you done? No, I will never be. <laughs> I'll let a practicing addict like get us lunch and like attend a meeting we can have on set. Pay attention. But like, I'm not going to let him operate the red. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like, I, I honestly think though things have to be earned. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you give stuff like, dude, look, I worked in treatment for a long time. People that got free treatment rarely ever got sober. Yeah. When you have skin in the game. When you actually like earn something, it means much more. It's what I learned like getting sober is like earning your keep and like taking pride in making your bed every day. You wake up and you make your bed every day. Do you want to kind of like cut the cameras because this, I think that, and then start them, cut it and then start it. Cause now we're going to talk about Liberty house. Yeah. 
and then just so that you'll know that 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 first clip is like, oh, so you didn't get any of that? No, no, it's fine. Oh, it just started. Liberty House is run by a deaf gay guy Mm -hmm. named Larry, who's a fucking. He's a fucking guru. Uh, psychic guru. He'll look at you. He's been doing, he's been dealing with drug addicts for so long that he'll just look at you and read your body language and he might not even hear what you're saying, yeah. but he'll just know. Yeah. He's sleazy. He's just so. He's sleazy. Yeah. I, 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 and, and not everybody, <clears throat> not everybody likes to be in a group scenario where like there's tension and pressure and we're putting people on the hot seat and we're talking about feelings and but I do. Right. I would go to those. Were you ever there when I came to the groups? Oh yeah. I don't remember you ever getting grouped though. No, because you sponsored me for the first five months and I was very careful making Uh, sure nothing came up on me Really, for seven months. Huh. I stuck to the wall, fly on the wall. Nobody knew shit. Whoa. Yeah, I was really good. I had really? been to treatment when I was 15, and I learned the ropes of like how treatment works. Huh. And like you want to just get by. Right. And so for, when I was 15, I went to Utah in a boarding school, and I was there for 10 months. And the whole purpose of me being there was just to come home. So I had therapy every day, and I had school and all this stuff, and it was just like do the best you can to get home as quickly as possible so we can get back to drinking and using. Mm. So like in Liberty House, I had the same mentality of like, okay, this is how the thing operates. I'm going to do what I'm told. When I get grouped, I'm going to just get <gasps> honest, straight to the point. And so I did that. And Josh was the manager at the time, so I got by until Will Larry you came me through. me some of that throat spray? It's like echinacea. It's like uh, oregano oil. It's like, for, it's like um, wellness throat spray with the medicine. So you were able to just, and then they finally said, don't, <laughs> you need to get a new sponsor because you're too tight with this fool or uh-uh. something. No, that's a, no, I can't, you can zoom out or like move the camera back or like tilt it up a little bit. Why don't you just tilt it up? You know, get from here to here. Um, I, you know, it's been so long, but I think that, uh, the whole group on me and you and Michaelis came, but like it didn't mm. go anywhere. I remember Larry saying that like he hated grouping me because we would go on like some weird journey and get to the answer, mm. but there'd be no satisfaction when we got there. Cause I would just like, honestly, like just give up and be like, it's this, it's that. And Larry'd be like, is it this? I'd be like, yeah. And I just like give up. Really? Yeah. Because I was like, so I was too afraid of like really telling him how I felt, which was... Or maybe you didn't know. No, I knew. Really? Yeah. What was it? Well, a, a number of things. But I was dating a girl. I was still dating a girl that I was in the house with that I didn't want to be with. It's I have, like really hot. I'm like kind of over that right now. <clears throat> I, I was still dating a girl I didn't want any, anything to do with. But she was like my in when I moved out. I could have like a house to live in. Mm-hmm. So I like kept her around. And I wasn't honest about my relationship with her. No. I also didn't want to like move out with guys from the house. And like, that's how like every, when you graduated Liberty house, you moved out with guys. I don't want to do that. Smalls I wanted, will grab it. I wanted to like have a job and I didn't really want to be sober. I wanted to go back you know to my old I'm friends. Why am I talking? I, I, my throat is just, just I'm tell sorry. me, go like this and go like this. There's a lot of people listening. Go, yeah. go like this, go, go, go like this and I'll stop. 
We'll just cut all that. Well, out. no, we're not cutting anything because you were just saying a bunch of shit that everyone's going to hear. And I, okay, I, so so basically, I, I I went on the radar because I wanted to get out of there and continue to smoke weed and, and get a free job. Yeah, and, but that doesn't fly at Liberty House. No, but eventually, eventually, eventually comes out. So anyway, so uh, you had Michaelis as a sponsor. He was on noncom. You asked me right. one time to go get to his house to get a book, and I brought it up to the manager. Whoa. And Larry like was like, "Wait a minute, what's going on here? He's on noncom. Why would you ask to go to his house?" And I'm like, "Well, my sponsor is sponsor. I think that's weird that he's on noncom." And we went down this whole eight hour group on why I wanted Michaelis approval to go see Michaelis, and and like I didn't really understand sponsorship that well. I've been All you would have had to do is say, "You know what, Pat? I don't think that's a good idea." No, I did tell you. Oh. You said, "Bring it up and ask the manager." Oh. Because you weren't really like yeah. thinking about it deeply. Right. You were just like just ask. Right. And so I asked. Right. And um but anyway, so but that was it. Didn't really come nothing came up in me. I didn't really get right. punished or anything. Right. But at 7 months, uh, I got a job at Ralph's. I had to, you have to get a job at six months. And I got a job at Ralph's, and I had to like pull money out to go join the union. And I left. Oh, upstairs in my room, on my by my bed. So at Liberty House, you have to do what's called a PB, a planned business. You have to let the house know where you're going. And I had to go down to the union station and like enter the union in order to work at Ralph's. And it cost like eighty bucks. Plus, I needed money for the bus. Plus, I needed something to eat when I was gone. So I pulled out a hundred dollars, and. I had a hundred dollars in my wallet. I'm in the middle of doing a planned business piece of paper and the phone rings upstairs and someone says, Hey, your girlfriend's on the phone. So I leave my wallet out and I walk upstairs because I was just like in my head, wasn't paying attention, but I left a hundred dollars out like on the table. It's a hundred thousand words. You get a thousand words per dollar. Whoa. So it's a hundred thousand words. No, and it's a, it's a million words. No, it's a, no, no, I'm sorry. It's a thousand words per dollar. Yeah. So it's a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand words. No. If it's a yeah. hundred dollars, it's a, a thousand words per dollar at a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand. Right. So anyway, so I go up and I take the phone call. Someone goes, Hey, whose wallet is this? I see it happening. And I'm like, there's no way I'm thinking to myself, there's no way someone's going to be a hundred thousand words. It's impossible. So I come back down and I grab my wallet and I leave and that was it. No one like confronted me about it. Someone <laughs> said it was my wallet, whatever. I go to the union thing. I join the union. I go to work that night and then every night. I call the house to see if I'm on reflections. I feel like I should like give the rules of the house so people know. Yeah. Will you do that real quick? Yeah. Okay. So some, yeah. Liberty house is a unique sober living that isn't, uh, the norm. It's very structured and there's lots of rules. There's so many rules that I was there for two years and I still don't know all the rules. When you first come into the house, you're called what's called a, a little bro which means you get a big bro and a big bro basically writes all your words, does all your punishment for you for the first two weeks as you kind of like stumble yourself through the house and create strikes and get punished and stuff like that. Um, every night at dinner, we would read strikes off. A strike is something you did wrong during the day and you would get an amount of words for that strike that you'd have to write before the next night's dinner. If you got an essay that was over a thousand words, you would have to go to this table called the reflections table. What that meant was you couldn't talk to anyone. You couldn't listen to music. You couldn't watch TV. You couldn't pet the dog. All you could do was sit at a table and write until you were done with your thousand word essays. If anyone had said anything to you, the only response you could say is I'm on reflections. If you broke reflections, if you said anything but I'm on reflections, you'd get another thousand words. Thousand words typically took somebody who's been in the house about an hour to write. 
But if I gave you a task of writing a thousand words, it'd take you three hours minimum. And we just learned how to write quickly, like shorthand. So we got off the table pretty quickly. Um, what really messed people up was when they were on reflections like two days in a row, three days in a row, four days in a row, a week, a month, because you couldn't talk to anyone. You'd have to go in the house, do your chore. You go to two meetings a day, do your chore. Wouldn't talk to anyone writing all the time. It would drive you crazy. It was like really gnarly punishment. And like, you don't think so, but it's like, it's like being in jail, like, but in being like solitary confinement, but like you're around people. You just can't talk to them. You can't like watch TV. You can't listen to music. You can't do anything. It's really gnarly. So for seven months, I stayed off the reflections table. I never, I never was on the reflections table more than a day uh, until I left this money out. I left a hundred dollars out, got a hundred thousand words. I went to work that day. I called in to make sure I wasn't on reflections because if I came home and I was on reflections and I said something to somebody, I would have broken reflections. So I call in and say, Hey, do I have any strikes? And this kid picks up named Drew and he goes, yeah, you have 90,000 words. That's what it was. I left $90 out. He goes, yeah, you have 90, you have 90,000 words. And I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, he goes, no, Larry said, if you like work hard on it, like maybe he'll take you off the reflections table after a month. And I like immediately saw red. I was so mad. Really? The first thing I was going to do was walk home and punch the first guy in the face. <laughs> all yeah, I could think of, all I could think of, left- seven months. Hold on a second. All I could think of was seven months of me doing chores in that house, cleaning that house top to bottom, blood, sweat, and tears, going to two meetings a day, doing my steps, working a job, paying the rent, all this stuff, and then you're going to give me 90,000 words because I, I made a mistake. It was right. a stupid mistake. But now I'm going to pay for a month of writing. My hands are going to go to a carpal tunnel. I had never seen a guy get 90,000 words in that house. That's and so, life. so I was literally steam was coming off my head. I was walking home from work from Ralph's yeah. and I was like, I'm bagging groceries at Ralph's. I'm like 24 years old, bagging groceries at Ralph's walking to this, through this neighborhood, back to the sober living. And I see a guy on a hope walk and he's like walking the dogs, one of the chores. And like, and he like sees me and knows I'm pissed. So he crosses the street and gets out of my way. And I like walk in the house for whatever reason I walk in the house, sign in, go upstairs, get a notepad and start writing. And the whole time I'm just pissed. I don't know why, but I wrote for a month and a half. Wait, what do you mean you don't know why? Because I had a plan of like going in there, punching a guy, grabbing my bags, and leaving. I was—I'm not kidding. I was like really ready oh, to what fight. Did, what did a guy? What did the guy do that you're gonna punch? Well, I saw it as like I'm gonna grab my stuff to go leave, and anytime someone leaves, they call group, and then they, somebody goes, <laughs> "Hey, you have to come to group." And I would have punched that guy right in his stupid face for. <laughs> Attempting to tell me to sit down and talk while I was that mad. I was so furious. You're so out of line. Because you have no idea. This is, <laughs> this is like seven months sober. But this is seven months sober. Right. I was literally insane on, when I walked just, in. But just real quick, just so I can explain, I just want to touch a little bit on the genius of this house. Oh my God. It's crazy. So, yeah, he's seven months sober, but life will throw curveballs at you. And if you're not equipped to deal with them, you're going to punch someone in the fucking face. But that's, and then you're going to go to jail. And now yeah. you maybe your life's ruined or whatever. That's why it's designed that way. It's designed for you to be able to deal with unfair shit. Like doing all this work and then making... Let me finish. And then making one small mistake and getting all these fucking words. And it's fucked up. And it's unfair, but it's fucking life. But that's not life throwing me a curveball. I threw myself that curveball. Right. I left $90 out. Right. They didn't do that. Right. But but you want to know what life will do? Life will just, you'll just lose your job out of nowhere. Right. Doing nothing wrong. Which happened to me. 
So, yeah. But yeah, so <clears throat> that's when things really got serious. And uh, I was contracted with another guy in the house. And see, I, my name started coming up in groups. And well, because after you accident, just, just one little slip up. Well, I had been breaking rules mm. who night you, and day. Who were you contracting? So there was a guy. Oh, this is really gnarly, but okay. So a contract is to, there's the house, right? And there's like anywhere from 13 to like 22 guys in this house. And like this one house is crazy. Like six guys to a bedroom, bunk beds. You have three chores a day. You're going to two meetings a day. You're just busy, you know? And there's, I mean, there's landmines everywhere. If you like walk shoes on carpet, that's a strike, a big strike. If you like leave an item out, you don't push in your chair. That's a strike. 300 words, 500 words, like here and there. There's just landmines everywhere. There's so many landmines that I literally pissed in the bathroom sink. Yeah. So I didn't leave the room because that's how many landmines there are. Yep. So I'm like, I don't know if I can have my shoes on or off or (laughs) can I go in the kitchen at night? I don't, I'm just going to piss in the sink right in my room. Yeah. And there was a guy in the shower too. So I couldn't go in the bathroom and I had to go real bad. Right. Because when you're in the first month of getting sober after having been using for 10 years, your sleep is all weird. Hmm. You're sweating in your sleep. You're having to go to the bathroom. You're having wet dreams. It's like weird shit's happening. The best thing that ever happened to me was I was literally schizophrenic when I walked in that house. But there were so many rules that I didn't have time for psycho thoughts. Right. Like I had to literally make sure where my stuff was all the time or I'd be writing a strike. So like these psychotic thoughts of people talking behind my back and all these, you know, I didn't, I didn't have time for them. So like Mm. pulled me out of psychosis, really strange stuff. I hadn't smoked meth in like a month or two before I went in the house. And I went in in that house. I was seeing people smoking pookie. I mean, I was hallucinating when I walked in there. Mm. It was like wild. for For how long? Like a month or two. And I thought like there were cameras behind the window or the mirrors and stuff. And a month or two. Yeah, yeah. I remember in the middle. Well, of the group, it must have got a little less and less. Yeah, yeah. Slowly over time. The but first we were, week was probably gnarly. Yeah, we were in a then. group, and Michaela's like looked at me and asked me to like chime in, and I said some weird. Like, I don't even know what I said, and everyone was just like, "What's up with this dude?" <laughs> like I was just out of my mind. And in the beginning, you're not even like really accountable, like because they know that new, new, new guys are just so just retarded that they can't even be accountable. So like you actually get assigned a big brother who has to write all your words. Yeah. So like if you fuck up as a new guy, you don't even get in trouble. Your big brother does. Yeah. But it it teaches you, it teaches you like accountability and it also teaches someone else to look after their, yeah, it's crazy. You feel bad for that. You don't even know this guy, but you feel terrible for him. He's writing all your words and you're like, oh man, I got to really like focus. Right. Because when you first come in there, you're like, like, I'm not going to do chores. But it also incentivizes the person who's teaching you to really teach you. Right. Not half step that job. Yeah. Or else it's on them. Right. It's kind of fucking genius. Yeah. And then you get to do extra duties. Do do you know about any of this or? No. Are you sober? No. Uh, Oh. Like clean. I don't, I'm not an addict. Right. Yeah. Ryan knew me before I got sober for sure. That Ryan, Alex and smalls are like in the room. So I feel like sometimes it's, it's actually kind of cool that you guys are here. Cause yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm <clears throat> like, I'm, I feel like I'm partly telling like you're the audience, like there are people going to be listening to this, but right. it's nice to have people that yeah, are paying. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and this, the Liberty house it's so wild. I, I, that's why I want to make this movie like a show. 
because then we could actually we could dive into like specific like the first episode yeah. could be like this dude's crushing it with his music career and using right the second episode could be like mike the sober companion working with another person yeah. the third episode could be like okay, this dude's career is starting to go south. You see a little bit of him and his dad and the relationship. And the fourth episode, maybe he like goes to Liberty House. Yeah. And then that's like three episodes. Two, three. And then like the sober companion finally meets with the kid because his dad, <clears throat> after he leaves the rehab and then relapses, maybe he doesn't graduate, but you get to see yeah. how that works. I don't know. It's just, there's just so much that can, that can So can, let me just reiterate too. But that's real quick, really before important. you go back into Liberty House, yeah. I just want to say that after day six of being at the house, I was hearing so much about honesty at the meetings and getting rigorously honest and what that meant that I felt the need to, 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 to tell the house that I pissed in the sink. And that was just like crazy. They're like, we need to put diapers on you. Yeah. It was bad. It's funny because you <clears throat> but do. But that's the kind of honesty. That's the kind of shit that happens at a place like that where you have yeah. all these brothers and you, you feel like it's like as an addict and alcoholic, you're either going far in the wrong direction, but when you switch it and you start going the right way, yeah, we have the, the capacity right to do good. The best part just about that, as though. much as we were doing bad. So once you go in the right way, there's a lot of potential. That's also another reason why I like to hire addicts. It can be dangerous, but I think there's a drive and a motivation and a mm. certain sense of, there's a fire inside of us. My favorite part about that story about the sink though, is the fact that like you were, you like made such a change and got vulnerable and got honest to a level that you probably have not really experienced. And their response wasn't like, congratulations. That's amazing. It was like, we need to put a diaper on you Yeah, because that's the beholden, but that's like the truth though. They're going to reward your honesty with also honesty, which is good for you. You should be told the truth. Uh, right. I, I don't know what I, I think maybe I did think I was going to get like a standing ovation, a little attaboy or, or some sure. bullshit. Yeah. This is fucking weird. But they didn't do that. Like you, you'd have to write a cop list every <laughs> no, once in a while. No, but I do think it, it definitely was like a good look. You know, I just, I would have, I was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about about Liberty House. This place is like so gnarly. I literally like meaning like it, I was it, ready to dive in and get honest and like do right. the deal. But like Liberty House was so gnarly. Other people would like have rumors about it and talk crap about it, and you never wanted to go back to Liberty House. That's for sure. You like almost stayed sober sometimes just to stay out of Liberty House. Mm. But like you never, you could leave any time. Right. It wasn't like you were forced there. Well, you kind of are because like you're no, you're not. Well. You're not, but like if your parents are on board, which is why they have family group every fucking Saturday, they're not going to let you back. Yeah. So but you're I mean, either going to be on the street. A lot of the guys don't. I mean, I wasn't living in my parents' house. You know what I mean? A lot of the guys didn't. They could live on the street or live at someone's house. They had other options, but like. You were what? I wasn't living with my parents when I went to Liberty House. Yeah, but you didn't really have a place. I could have. I could have stayed long, with Sammy. But how long would that have lasted? For some time, and then in the next place, and so on and so forth. But, but like, I got, I went to Liberty House because I was exhausted from my psychosis. It was just killing. I was just tired. I thought I had killed myself. I was in deep psychosis. I, I tried to commit suicide. I thought I was dead. There was no escaping this hell I was living in, and mm. I was so tired from it. I finally said, "All right, fine, I'll go to treatment." Mm. It wasn't like I had nowhere to live. I was okay with living in a car. <clears throat> I didn't. That didn't really bother me. Mm. When you're that messed up and crazy, you don't really care living in the street. 
But it, but it's like when you're at Liberty House, though, there's something to <coughs> stick around and watching some guy change his life and have substance, like weight and substance and like be successful and be able to do whatever he wants. And that was something I craved enough to deal with like the crazy rules. And I mean, staying up all night, scrubbing the house down. Like there would be shutdowns where you had, you weren't allowed to sleep. I had what a is- job. I had a job dad to go to at six in the morning, but I couldn't sleep. I had to scrub all night long. So what are you scrubbing? The walls, the ceiling, <laughs> the little fixtures that have the plugs. I mean, to the point where <laughs> the next day Larry would come to the house and take his finger and wipe it. And if he had a little bit of dust, you do it again. The whole house. The whole entire house. And you got 22 guys. If you didn't know this, dust is made up of skin cells. So the more people you have living in a house, the more dust you're going to have. Yeah. You have 22 guys living in a house. There's dust uh-huh. every day. I would really love to start implementing some of the Liberty House structure at the studio. That's never going to happen. I just wish that we could be more organized with the gear and the coffee and there's a mess. I just want to be like really organized and clean. You you have to meet insanity with equal insanity. That's the problem. And so in order to do that at the studio, I think that a lot of people would be very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. It's why I did what I did. (sighs) You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard, man. So what happens after you're there for like a year? Uh, well, do you, do you, a, a you, lot of people graduate after a year. Do, do you say. get a year birthday? Did you, you took a, mm-hmm. a year in the house? Yeah. So really you thinking typically like, oh, this is what I'm a Liberty getting... house day looks like. You're, you're a little bro. You don't have Liberty status um, for two weeks. Once you have two weeks, you're off little bro. You can apply for Liberty status, which means you can go to the bathroom without having a guy follow you. Like when you're at a meeting and stuff, you have to have a guy follow you everywhere you go. And if you apply for Liberty status, then you don't have to have that anymore. And you like kind of become part of the house in order to apply for Liberty status. You like fill out this form and read it in front of all the guys and they vote on it. If you're like doing your chore and you're like pulling covers and you're like not getting a lot of strikes and they approve it, then you go on the other side of the house and you have to like be humble and you literally have to dance to Britney Spears Yeah, for I, three I minutes. Saw that. Yeah. So like, I yeah. didn't like that. Of course you didn't. Nobody did. But anyway, so you danced to Britney Spears in front of all the dudes. Well, some like some of the like gayer dudes like that shit. <clears throat> like they got a kick out of it. Not like dancing, but watching the kid dance. I don't like that. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying I just, just didn't I did, like that. Yeah, it was weird. It was that's weird. for sure. But it was like funny and it was like camaraderie and whatever. Dude. Yeah. It yeah. was like showing that you're willing to look <laughs> I'm not stupid. saying that I'm right. No, no, I'm no. just saying I'm, I'm uncomfortable it, by certain things. It, that's it was very uncomfortable for me too. But but at the same time, it made me, made me feel closer to, to the guys knowing that I did something stupid. So did they. And like we were like, look, who cares? Yeah. So anyway, you get liberty status and you have liberty status till you have six months. Once you have six months, then you can apply for three quarter status which means you can go on plan business by yourself, which is like going to look for work, going to a job, that kind of stuff. In order to get three-quarter status, you have to write a cop list. Cop list is all the strikes that you got in the house and didn't report. So you're like, every bad thing you did, every like lie you held on to, all that stuff. And a couple people, including myself, tried to apply for three-quarter status without putting a cop list and saying, I never didn't cop to anything which is really bad because then you get grouped and they're like, that's bullshit. Yeah, but that's what's weird is like, how do you, what if you actually didn't though? 
you, you there's some secrets that you held on to you didn't know you held on to until you had time like the fact for instance the fact that i didn't want to move out with guys in the house i didn't really know that until like i had some time and it wasn't like something i could cop to i didn't like raise my hand at dinner one night and be like i don't want to move out with guys in the house right you know what i mean so when you're at three-quarter status you start to think about stuff that like you didn't really told guys about and you like get honest about that stuff but everybody's got a strike they held on to every time like you sleep you're in the house, you're in the house for three months and you're doing everything. And then you accidentally the touch like your corner of your shoe, touched the carpet on accident. Mm. No one's around and they don't see it. Are you going to go and give yourself a shoes on carpet? No, that's crazy. Right. That's bullshit. What kind of weird asshole are you? Tell on yourself that makes you look stupid anyway. So you're not going to say anything, but when you do your three quarter status, it's like, yeah, I remember when I did that. And like, I didn't cop to it. So you write a three quarter status and then everyone in the house gives you, you get like 45,000 words. You get like a lot of words. Some are worse than others. Some guy like, some guy worked at, at like this like Chuck E. Cheese in Century City, and like cop to like going in the bathroom and jerking off, mm-hmm. like while at work. Yeah, at Chuck I, E. That's Cheese. That's some shit I would do. That's some gnarly shit though. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I had like a porno under my. Did Bronco. you do it while you're at Chuck E. Cheese at work? With um, a bunch of kids around? I, I didn't work at Chuck E. Cheese, but that's not. I, I had a I had a porno in my Bronco under the. Uh, Cause like when you first get sober, you're like, you're like, you're looking for something. Yep. So Anything. like jerking off and like just I drink smoking Monster. cigarettes and coffee. Like I would like, yeah. <clears throat> I, I got into the porn shit mm-hmm. and I yeah. was like a thing I just like had to just do and like jerking off like in the car, like in a weird bathroom. That's like a thing. <laughs> That's like some, it like, it's kind of like exciting a little bit and like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So when I anyway, went, so, so when I went on the, uh, I, I went, remember when I went to to Big Bear. No, I went to Big Bear was on the sober I don't retreat. Think I, was there. I went on the sober retreat with Liberty House. Yeah, and I remember they like I feel like they searched my car and they found that porno, and they also told me you need to come back into the house, and um, I didn't. But uh, look, here I am. I stayed sober. Yeah, I definitely think I would have benefited. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, I would say this and be very blunt about it. I don't think Liberty House helped everybody. It helped most people, but there's some people that it added trauma to because being, oh, a group, really? yeah, I've met some people afterwards that were like fucked up after it being grouped by 30 dudes, like on a constant basis and having that level of anxiety, like for some people isn't healthy. Right. It really isn't. It just doesn't, you know what I mean? But for, for someone like me and you, like we were, I mean, you know, I saw 15 therapists before I got sober and like I manipulated the hell out of everybody. So I needed someone to tell me the truth and tell it like it was and like strong arm me into being like, no, I'm a piece of shit asshole, you know? And that's, that's the truth. I was manipulating people. I didn't care about anyone but myself. And all I was out to get was high and take yours and whatever. So he was jerking off a Chuck E. Cheese and what happened? He got 75,000 words. Just that's it for that? For that one thing. And you got 90 for the fucking... I got on my three-quarter cop list. I got... A, I, I don't remember what I got. I got something like 20,000. It wasn't that bad. Uh, but... <clears throat> okay, so I'll get back into... So a contract. Okay, so a contract is... Um, so the house is like on this path. They, they kind of like give us the analogy of the house is on the path of like making you a better person. And like when a contract happens, that's two guys that are in the, At least two guys that are in the house that are against the house. So you were actually about to tell a story about what happened after you got the 90,000 for leaving your fucking wallet out and you started getting into this contract thing, but then you stopped and explained all the rules. Yeah. 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 Because I have to also explain the contract. And then we went all into this crazy tangent. Now you're going back to where you were. 
Not yet. I still have to tell you the, st- the, the rule of the contract. I have to explain that first. And then you're going to get into what really was your downfall after the wallet. Yeah. So um, a contract is when two guys are against the house and they like break rules together and don't tell anybody. Yeah, like Wickham and Nate. I don't know the I don't know the ins and outs of the relationship. Yeah, no, um, that was actually a joke. I love I love you guys, Wickham and Nate. If you're listening, they actually left the company recently. But um, <clears throat> I I think that you were on jobs with them. Remember on the ducky shoot, they were working together. They were probably talking a little shit together, like Ridge and how we don't do shit right and they could do it on their own. I'm guilty of the same thing. Yeah, so that's contracting. Yeah. Like when two guys are like I can say that from when I was on ducky shoot with them with it being my first shoot, I was more concerned about like making sure a lot of the gear and stuff was You weren't paying attention to what they were talking I wasn't about. Really paying attention to what but I'm sure like that's when I did listen to them, they I don't think I ever heard them actually <clears throat> at that moment. But that's what happens. What? Anyway, so 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 yeah, that but later they were that, that happens in all walks of life. It happens in every job, it happens in every relationship, but yeah. here's the deal. At Liberty House, people's lives are at stake. Sobriety is keeping you alive. If you leave the house, there's a large chance that you're gonna die. So if you contract with another dude, that's so detrimental to give you it's a five thousand word essay because it's so gnarly, you could literally prevent that person from getting sober by like co signing their bullshit. And so there was a guy in the house that was on non com. Well, and I mean, dude, the same shit happens in real life, you know, 100%. like, like 100%. maybe, you know, like even in this situation I just brought up, it's yeah. like, I don't know what, you know, <clears throat> you, you, you ruin a good thing because yeah. you're, 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 you're talking a little shit and there's someone else and they're talking a misery shit. loves company too. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so anyway, so and I learned in the house too, like people were copying to stuff and like telling on each other. And I'm like, who the fuck does that? Like, that's not what a friend does. But in reality, a friend calls you out in, on your shit. A friend tells you like it is. They tell you the truth, whether you're going to like them for it or not. It's going to benefit them. That's what a brother's keeper is, you know, telling someone the truth. But if you co-sign someone's shit, then you're letting them slide into the abyss. And that's not really what a friend is. That's just trying to have someone like you, you know. So anyway, I was contracted with this guy pretty early on. I wasn't allowed to call this girl that I was dating any more than twice a week. This guy was on non-com with anyone under six months, including myself. And the phone rang. He picked it up. It was her. And he wrote a note. Like, he didn't even need to do this, but he wrote a note, like Sammy called. And he, like, came downstairs. No one was around. He, like, put it in front of me. He walked away. I was in the house for, like, three months, three weeks. I didn't know whether that was breaking non-com or not. So I kind of just, like, took it and, like, threw away the evidence and, like, didn't tell anyone. But, like, what that did, I didn't know at the time, was, like, telling him I was okay with him breaking a rule. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, we... We broke a rule together and didn't tell anyone in the house. That's crazy. And it happened that like subtle, right? Isn't this shit fascinating? Weeks later, I saw him at a meeting talking to a girl that he's, you're not allowed to talk to chicks at all when you're in Nobody. Meetings. Nobody. Not, allowed not to talk even to- like nine month guys. Well, you can, but there's obviously stipulations around the whole thing. But if you're like off on your own talking to a girl, someone's going to bring that up in group and be so, like, what's going on here? So you're not allowed to fuck you, for the first year. You no, you are, but the girl has to come to the house during family group and like be told who you are. And then you have to go on dates with other guys in the house at least three times. And then you can wait, what? Yeah. That's what happened with me. I had a girlfriend. That's how I had to do it. Your girlfriend. Yes. Had to go out she, with three of the guys in the house. She, no, 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 no. She had to come to all the family groups that she could go to and she had to like be part of the group mm-hmm. and she had to be sober. Then I had to go on dates with her and another guy in the house three times. Whoa. And once that was done, then I had to do laundry. I had to earn money from the house 
because I didn't have a job at the, at the time. And I'd do other guys' laundry and shine their shoes and make five bucks here and five bucks there until I had enough money to afford a hotel room for one night. And the hotel room situation was like I signed out at like 8 o'clock at night and signed back in the next day at 6 a.m. So it was like I signed out and like went and had sex all night until I couldn't have like, – could, I didn't sleep at all. And then came right back. And this is like, you know. You did that. Oh, yeah. How many times? Like three times. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like amazing. Yes and no. Yes and no. You know what I mean? It was like. It was like frantic. Oh, my God. A lot of work for like. And then do the hotel, the stars in across the street from Liberty House. I mean, forget about it, dude. It was like a rat's nest over there. It was so bad. And like you're losing sleep the next day. You're kind of like. It was just, you know. But the priorities, so like, the priorities are there. I mean, the rules oh, are there man. to prevent you from like, I mean, this is a girl, mind you, this is a girl I used to smoke meth with. Right. So like, it's a, it's a stretch for them to allow this to happen, but. And they knew that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. But anyway, I'm off on a tangent. So anyway, I was contracting with this guy, a broker rule here, a broker rule there. Before I knew it, I'm like going to look for work and he has relatively the same time as me. So we're both going to look for work. And how you do that is you go to the library and you like use their internet access to like look for jobs in Craigslist. I go to the library. I'm trying to find a job. He's at the library playing video games. Then we like leave the library and he like takes a nap at a movie theater. And then he starts talking to me when we're at like meetings, like off to the side. He's like, yeah, you know, because he had a girlfriend, I had a girlfriend. He's like, yeah, maybe we could like move out together and like have our girlfriends live together and like we could afford rent and like get a job. And like instead of being like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. I was like, yeah, maybe. But like I wasn't really trying to do that, but I kind of just went, yeah, whatever. (laughs) He like was, he was then like way off track from the house. You know what I mean? Like he was doing the deal to get by just like I was, but he was like way off track from the house. What's his name? Casey. Casey, what? I'm not going to say. Is he alive? No. He's not alive. No, I'm going to finish the story. That's fucking insane. So I got this strike. I got this gnarly strike. I had to do 90,000 words. It was a huge wake-up call to me. I did the, took me a month to do the words. Right before that happened, Casey, there's a new guy came in the house, um, and he was like uh, inherited a bunch of money. He was like a millionaire from like a car accident. He's to New York State or something like that. Which guy was this? This kid named Mark who also died. So anyway, this new guy comes in but the this house. This is just how real this shit is. There's a We're lot talking of about like people that, yeah. that are not even here anymore yeah. because this shit is that fucking because serious. Because literally we broke a rule that was specific but to that's, this But that's why I like cry yeah. sometimes when I really am, when I'm speaking and I'm talking about how much this shit is like how real this shit is. <clears throat> the life that you can have is so incredible, but it's life and death. So this guy comes in the house and he's got like two months and Casey and him decided to just leave one night and they go and they get a hotel room and they, they copped up and they shoot up. Casey comes back. Mark doesn't Marco deed. Casey comes back in the house. We put him on Gersh. Gersh means you can't do anything except for scrub. You're on literally you're on your hands and your knees with a toothbrush and a, and a bucket of soap. This is after he took a, a new guy out and like got loaded and the new guy didn't come. He didn't live. So he came back and he's scrubbing. He's trying to get back in the house. He did that for a month and then he just couldn't live with himself anymore. So he left. Meanwhile, he's got a girlfriend with a daughter. So he's got a baby. He's got a child. So he leaves the house. He's gone for six months. I get my strike, my 90,000 word strike. And like, I saw all this happen and then, and then this happened, I get the strike and I'm like, Oh my God, I need to, I need to like change what I'm doing. Like, this is crazy. Like, what did I do? And Casey's gone and like all my like past 
fuck ups were like nobody knew, nobody knows about them. Nobody knows about all this other shit that I was doing before Casey like was here. Then I have like nine months in the house, like two months after I get my strike, and Casey comes back. Casey's like, I need help. I want to get sober again. And so Casey writes a cop list. They like Larry is so fucked up over it. Larry and the manager go across to Starbucks, come back, and everyone gets in group. And Larry's looking at me, and I'm like, oh shit. And he goes, Casey, we're accomplished, Troy, and you're all the fuck over it. Damn. And everyone, in, and at that time in the house, nine months, I was like pulling covers. I was doing the deal. I like, Damn. I was like, yeah, I'm really like, I'm it. Like, I'm the guy in the house towing the weight. Like, I'm the most like mentored guy. And then it just, everything flipped. And he just reads off every fucking thing I did in the house against the house, talk shit about this person, didn't report this strike, let Casey sleep on a whatever the hell, you know, all this stuff. And everyone just, like, every single guy in the house was like, you're a fucking piece of shit. You're so full of shit. You're pulling covers. Meanwhile, you're, like, totally off board. In fact, you're so off board that this you contracted with this guy and it killed another dude. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? Well, it wasn't your fault. No, 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 no. But, like, the fact that I didn't realize what I was doing at the time is, like, really gnarly. So, anyway, so this all happens. Casey goes back on Gersh. I get, like, 50,000 words. Wait, Casey came back, wrote a cop list. Wants to get sober again. Yeah. And he goes back on Gersh. Yes. Because that's where he left off. And he has to put you right back where you left off. Yeah. You don't get in. There's no easy ends. You have to earn your keep. How are we going to trust you? You keep doing drugs. You need to like show us. your. I I just want to kind of like draw a quick parallel. Yeah. Because in life, there are a lot of people that are very successful and they build themselves up and they get this ego. And they're winning. And, and, and dude, mm-hmm. this colonel, this right. Colonel Russell Williams, he was the fucking colonel of the Canadian Air Force. And everyone is like bowing down to him. Meanwhile, he has a secret life. He killed four women. He broke into 80, 80 people's houses. He has a wife. He's living this whole side. It's like, I just feel like this is this is just like Liberty House is just a way of putting psychotics under a microscope and like just trying to change these people yeah. that otherwise aren't going to change. I was a lunatic when I walked in that house. Yeah. Not to mention I was a selfish piece of shit asshole that would steal from you and punch your face and all that stuff. But I was literally psychotic. <laughs> but like Liberty House, like I said before, Larry kept saying this is like, your insanity has to be met with equal insanity. Mm. Your punishment has to be as uncomfortable as your behavior or else you won't change. You will not change. And that's why it's so important that parents understand that because parents allow their kid to get loaded and then they like let them live at their house and you're killing your kid when you do that. You're allowing your kid to behave in a way and you're not meeting their insane behavior with equal punishment. And so their kid gets away with it and continues to use. If my parents let me live in their house, I'd still be loaded today. You know? So Casey comes back. So Casey comes back. He's on Gersh. He gets scrubbing again. He's on Gersh. He can't do it again. He leaves again. He gets his girlfriend pregnant again. And then I think six months later, he ODs and dies. So he has a a girl he left behind and two children. And you're in the house now, and you're just you wrote your you got fifty thousand, uh-huh, and that's it. 
I mean, in one essay, yeah. But you 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 wrote another wrote cop list or whatever. No, I just wrote all those words. They gave me a bunch of words for being a piece of shit asshole, and I wrote all those words. Because you were in the cop list, so you, everything was exposed. <laughs> so they didn't want you to write another one or whatever. There's no point. I mean, I, it was everything out. But but yeah, and but those are like okay, like I said, the ninety thousand word, the fifty thousand word, the other three quarter, like the big essays I had. You know, those were essays. But like then we're talking about probably at least fifteen hundred dollars or fifteen hundred words a day in small strikes and yeah. in strikes less than a thousand that I wrote for twenty or I'm sorry, seventeen months. I was in in the house technically for seventeen months. So year and a half. So now you're like a year sober. Now uh I mean you're sober and we're talking about exit plans and uh I had been closer to the ending my steps. Um and I had a job at Ralph's Oh, this is another thing that happened too. <laughs> so well, because I know you spent two years there. Yeah. So you're like a year. Let's let's call. I'm like it, 13 months. Yeah. Sober. Let's say you're 13 yeah. months sober. You just finished. I'm your working 50. at Ralph's. You just did the 50 grand. Yeah. Everything's yeah, out there. I'm working at Ralph's and and Larry and there was a there was a manager at the sober league I was friends with and he was like the manager and he like allowed me to have anyway. So Larry goes, Troy, you've been here this long and like you know we're talking about like graduating, but you work at Ralph's and I'm like yeah and he goes how much do you make a month and I'm like I don't know 800 bucks and he goes how are you gonna live off that I'm like. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, you can't live off $800. How much are you paying rent? And then they find out how much I'm paying. I'm paying like 400 bucks rent. And like it costs $2,500 a month to live there. My parents are paying like a grand and I'm like getting some kind of deal. And he's like, how is this possible? And starts grouping the manager. And then it turns on me and it's like, why are you working at Ralph's? And I'm like, and I get gnarly grouped. And then it comes out. I finally get honest after like eight hours of grouping that like I had zero intention of moving out with graduates. That's why I had this BS job. I went to Ralph's down the street from my house. I had some mm. fucking bagging job. I wasn't trying to get promoted. I didn't want to work right. at Ralph's. I had like a plumbing job and I left. And so he, and like I had no intention of living with guys in the house and living in Culver City area. I wanted to move back to Agora Hills mm. or Malibu and like live in a guest house and like have a nice plush job, 20 bucks an hour and like be a plumber. That's like the idea I had. I never talked to anyone about that. But it was like in my mind, it was obvious it was in my mind because I wasn't pursuing more money out in Culver City. So he goes, you have two weeks to pay $1,000 rent. I had 800 bucks in my account. He's like, you have two weeks to pay $1,000. And I was like, I, I can't do that. He goes, well, then you're going to hit the streets. <coughs> and I'm like, well, you're going to kick me out? He goes, yep, go get another job. So a fire was lit under my ass and I walked into BJ's in Century City and got hired on the spot and became, and, and, uh, became a buster. I'm like, I need to work right away. And they gave me a job and I started working. So I worked at Ralph's and I worked at BJ's and I kept looking for work and I found another job at Pink Taco and they, I walked into Century City right at the right time. I never worked at a restaurant before at BJ's and uh, they hired me, but they're like, we're not opening for two months. So you have to like wait until Century, or the sunset location opens and so I worked at Ralph's and I worked at BJ's and that's when Dane got like sick. Dane started working again and he got sick and he started like bleeding and they admitted him to Cedar sinai And I was plugging along. I was going to meetings. I was doing my steps, uh, working two jobs. I would like take the, and I didn't have a car, so I was taking the bus everywhere. I'd take the bus to uh, Cedar sinai and like sleep in the hospital with Dane because he didn't want to be alone. And then I'd wake up the next day and like come home, shower, go to work at Ralph's and then go to BJ's, then come home, go to a meeting. And I was just doing that. I was like a full schedule. Uh, and then I had some issues with Ralph's. Ralph's wouldn't like change my schedule. And so I like quit at Ralph's and then started working at Pink Taco and they opened and was busting tables and doing that kind of thing. And then uh, I was in the house for long enough. They're like, here's an exit plan. 
so that's like the next thing. So you get your phone at like nine months. You're allowed to have a phone finally, like your own cell phone at nine months. You can have a car if you had a car. I didn't have one. Um, so it was something like, I think 13 or 14 or 15 months, they gave me my first exit plan. Exit plans like this packet you fill out, you like present it to the whole house at uh, um, the whole house and all the house's parent, like all everyone's parents and stuff in family group. And I didn't have any commitments at meetings. I didn't, uh, there was something else. I forget what it was, but I didn't fill out the section because I didn't, I, I wasn't doing something that was on the list. <laughs> Probably as it relates to AA. Yeah. It was something to do with AA. And that's just like what you do. The third it's one. It's actually what you're doing right now. Yeah. You're like not in the program the way you should be. That's correct. The third thing was I had a fear of running into old friends and like, I don't know how I was going to like do deal with that. Mm. And everyone's like, what do you mean? Why are you going to hang out with old friends? And I'm like, because I have friends for years. Right. What I didn't know is like, I'll still be friends with them, but I, I don't have the same like morals and values as them. So what am I going to be doing with them? You know what like I mean? Sander. Like, right. That, those kinds of people. And also I didn't have depth of weight to those relationships. I went to parties and partied. That's how I know them. Yeah. I didn't have like real connections with these people. Like I just hung out with them and like did drugs and stuff. Yeah. I didn't have like connections I had with people I got sober with where I got honest and vulnerable and like opened up and like mm -hmm. changed and like grew. <clears throat> so they understood. I didn't, I still didn't understand that. So my exit plan got denied. It got denied three times. And then, um, like the second time was like, uh, I didn't have enough money to move out and I was making guys wait for me and all this shit. The third time I was finally uh, moving out with a kid named Andy and a kid named Jesse. And at the time I got, I finally graduated at 17 months. Larry, it was like 13 guys in the house. Larry goes, Troy, I need you to stay in the house. I know that you're graduated and I know you want to move out, but I need you to stay in the house and pay rent here because we need the house to keep going. And I was like kind of pissed about that. Like I was a graduate with graduate status. I could like walk out the front door and I didn't get strikes anymore. But like I still had to do chores. I still had to like be in groups and stuff like that. And what do you I mean you didn't get strikes anymore? Like I could leave my item out and walk out of the room. I didn't have to write words anymore. Right. But I still had to be in groups. I still had to like do chores. I still had to go to meetings, that kind of stuff, and be held accountable. But like I didn't have to do every little detailed rule. Um, and he goes, I need you to stay here another like six months. And I was, Whoa. yeah. So I lived there six months oh as my a graduate. God. But in that time I was, I'm waiting to move out with Andy and Jesse, right? In that time I'm downstairs one night and I get a text from Jesse and it's like a picture of him and he's a graduate too. Let's picture him with this girl in the mall bathroom. I'm like, that's kind of weird, you know, like he's hooking up with a chick, like grad, but like, why is he sending me, me a picture? And it was, uh -huh. like, it's kind of weirded out. He comes home and he's acting weird. I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, this guy's high. Whoa. And so I go upstairs. I'm like, I tell the manager, and this is a guy I'm supposed to be moving out with. I'm right. like trying to bond with and be close with. He's going to be my roommate, but I'm like ratting him out. I'm like, bro, are you high? He goes, no. I'm like, you're high. I go upstairs and tell the manager. I'm like, hey, he's, he's high. And he goes, I'll bring it up in group. So he pulls him in the next day, the manager, and he goes, are you high? And the guy goes, no. And he goes, okay. And he like lets him go and doesn't bring it up to Larry. And I didn't know any of this happened. So he just told me, oh, Jesse's not high. No big deal. A couple weeks go by and something else happens and someone brings it up. I think Jesse's getting loaded. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I told Larry that. So I call Larry and I'm like, Larry, dude, this guy's getting high. I swear to God. And so we like in the middle of group call him up and say, you need to come home right now on drug test. And he's like, fuck you. Hangs up the phone doesn't drug test. We never saw him again. We ended up put, putting his bags out on the corner and like, he never comes by. He, his mom comes up and picks up his shit. We never saw him again. What? Yeah. 
he like would refuse the drug test and like refuse to come back to the house. <clears throat> so then I move out with Andy finally after I was there for 23 months. I finally move out. Me and Andy get an apartment, just me and, me and him. And I'm like, and I start working my job and, you know, I'm coming around the house every once in a while and life moves on. And I'm like out of the house maybe six months and I'm like working this job at, at Saddle Ranch. I'm like working till like, you know, I'm, I'll become a bartender. So that's another thing too. I was like busting tables and I became like a food runner and then I was like bar backing. And the, the manager was like, hey, would you bartend if the bartender doesn't show up during the day? And I'm like, all right. I'm like sober, you know? Yeah. And I started bartending, and then I become like a bartender, which is kind of strange, but it wasn't really. It just how, how things went. Plus, you're making more money, a shit ton more money. And I remember you used to call me and like complain about yeah. like everything, yeah, because this guy's got an ego and he's entitled, and it's all about him. And you were complaining, and you didn't know how to be a good employee. Okay, I think. I think that might have been Ralph's or BJ's, probably. No, I got. A I lot think that of, even probably rolled into. I got a lot of compliments from my employers at the bar. But you, like, you <clears throat> work with me, so yeah. I know that you crush. But there are times, even still today, where you have a little bit of an ego yeah, thing, sure. and I'm sure that that carried into your job with Richard at at um, what's it called? At Cliffside, Cliffside Malibu, sober living. <clears throat> so, because you're still growing and getting better, but I remember when you used to call me like you made it sound real believable, and I'm sure that some of the shit you were saying was valid with Cliffside. No, with uh, Pink Taco, and I remember Saddle Ranch. Uh-huh. So right around this time, um, <clears throat> well, this is probably after I was sponsoring you, and Michaelis happened. Yeah, this is way after that. Right, you weren't sponsoring me anymore. Yeah. I had called you because my sponsor at the time would never answer the phone, mm. and I was like leaving voicemails on his voice, you know. And I was like, ended up sponsoring myself through means of like hearing my own voice. I swear to God, <laughs> it was weird. Well, I would like call second. to check in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah, never yeah. answer. So well, wait I just, a second. How? But 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 I called you because I had no sponsor essentially. You never talked, but about I it. ended up sponsoring you again. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. But we're not there yet. So right. Okay. So anyway, I I like been sponsorless. I'm working this job six months. I come home one night at like five a.m. Like all these bartenders would tip me out to close their bar because I was sober. They go out and party. I come home at five a.m. and I always go to the same subway to get food because I'm like super late at night. And I walk into the subway and I see this like homeless dude like messing around with money and like some phones. And I'm like looking at him and I order my sandwich and I go to leave and I look down. And I'm like. And it's fucking Jesse. It's the kid I almost moved in with. Damn. The kid high. who never got his. And I, I pull him Hold out. on. The kid who never picked his up clothes. his clothes. Yeah. The kid who said, fuck you, I'm not drug testing. We told him to drug test and he wouldn't do it. That kid. That kid. Who sent you a picture of him with a girl in yes. the bathroom. And I told him he was getting high and he like didn't get honest. And we didn't group him right then and there. We should have, but we didn't do it. Wow. And so anyway, so I pull him outside. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? And he was like, bah, bah. <laughs> She was so lit, bro. He was like, ah, oh my God. and I was like, I, all I could think about was like, I almost live with this dude. Like or I almost the, fucking live with this guy. Or that could have been you. Right. But I was like, holy or me. shit. And probably uh, will be smalls one day. Yeah. yeah I'm, just <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, no, some got, some of the guys would relapse, dude. And it was like a, a real hit. Like wow. some guys would relapse in OD and. But there's a lot of guys that are still sober, dude, and they're doing really well. They hit me up on my birthday. They're yeah. like, I just had a birthday. Michaelis fucking. Well, I don't talk to Michaelis, but. but Why? I don't know. I was never. We really... just saw him on Facebook. I mean, whatever. Yeah, but no, but I'm the hairdresser guy. Went through... 
Chris, Jason Steinman, Jason Steinman, the me, men's groomer, bro. me, you, Robert McInerney. <clears throat> that guy was so essential in group. Jason but but that's the thing. Like, I just want people to understand for the, the, the two of you that are still listening um, <clears throat> I, I, at this point in, 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 the, in the podcast. I fell asleep to my own voice. That people don't get sober. No. They don't. No, nobody stays sober. It doesn't happen. I mean, the, 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 the odds are so stacked against us. Like, the fact that we have 10 years. I have 14, you have nine, nine. is insane. Uh, I think that my sobriety has more. Steve Koch can't get a fucking year to save his life. Mm-hmm. Not it's, you know, not everyone is capable of honesty. Not everyone's capable of change. Not everyone's capable of humility. I mean, there's principles, but, 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 that. but we, we weren't until like we were taught it at mm-hmm. Liberty house. It, it was forced into us. Or... Yeah. But at the same time, Liberty house lasted <laughs> some time that I needed. I needed more. It's when I started going into prime time and like, yeah. that saved my, my ass. Yeah. Me know? too. And then like meeting Brian, like, Brian yeah. gave me a totally new perspective on, on sobriety and what the book says. And, like, well, so we, Brian's been on this podcast, by the way, if you want to yeah. go listen to Brian, the lake house, um, we both need to hit Brian up by the way. Yeah. Cowboy yeah. Brian. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's kind of a it kind of bummed me out a little bit. Brian's had some medical issues recently. Oh, uh, because he kind of was like, "Yeah, I'm down." Well, I mean, he's got he's his own person, his own life, doing his own thing. I know, but I mean, I wanted I was gonna pay him to come and shoot some stuff and be a part of the thing. And he's like, "I'm busy. I'll, I'll get." He's a little flaky when it comes to that. Maybe, maybe he thinks you're flaky. I don't know. We right. We just need to talk to him about it. That's all. Yeah. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing, we just got to approach him and say, what's up? That's it. Yeah. I don't want to assume anything. Without You're talking. right. Well, yeah. <clears throat> look, I mean, look, we're not all perfect people. That's for sure. Yeah. What does he expect me to do? Like, or what do I expect him to do? Like hit me up? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I got to knock down. I got to keep knocking on his door. Yeah. That's Cause I really want. do think that he could be the sober companion. Yeah. Even if he's not, I honestly think even if he's not, he's a good person. No, I just want to, we should just have him on. We should just chill with him. No, I want to have him on. Yeah. Yeah, His next podcast is going to be with Brian. I learned a lot from him and a a kid named Kyle. This kid Kyle I worked with at Lake House taught me a lot, a lot. I mean, more than just sobriety, but like being a man, like being an actual man. Yeah. And being vulnerable and being upfront and being honest and like a whole new facet that I had never been exposed to. Just like Liberty House was like a place or puzzle piece in my life. Yeah. And they were too. And I think that's like how it's been for me. And it's taken on different forms and stuff like that. And I don't know. I just haven't. I had. I feel terrible about not going to meetings. Not because like this old idea I had of like if I don't go to meetings and I relapse. It's more about like I'm not giving back to the new guy. Mm-hmm. And that's some way selfish bullshit. Yeah. And it's like feeding into my ego and what I think I'm worth and all this other stuff. But, um, yeah, there's no other excuse except for I need to be there to, to help other guys through. (coughs) What do you mean? I'll wait till 15 seconds is up and I'll tell you. No, we're talking about how Troy's not really doing the the deal. I have last year and shit last year. I did not take a cake. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I haven't taken a cake yet either. Nine years sober. Oh, what? Yeah. Monday. Let's go get one. Today's Monday. Oh. Oops. Well, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm out in town. I can go Wednesday. Well, we're going to take Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I can go take a case. I'm I'm open to it. Yeah. What do you mean you're open to it? Friday, big meeting. (laughs) Westlake? Uh -uh. Yeah. 
You know what Dylan told me? I don't know how many people you're going to help this year. Because <laughs> like part of me wants to go up in front of the meeting and just be like, yeah, you guys are all full of shit. Dude, I just posted this thing about Travis <clears throat> Scott about being the highest one in the room. And that's just like, come on, bro. Is that all you have to say? And and Joe wrote, I worked on the music video. He got so high, he didn't make it to the second location. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did Joe really work on that? Yeah. Damn. I'm sure he did. That's crazy. Wait, with, 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 with Ayer, um, David Ayer, or who, who did that? <clears throat> who did that music video? Look it up, please. Who's, that? Who's the D-I-T? Um, the, the director. It's David... The new Travis Scott one, highest in the room. He's a dope director. He he did uh, some Missy Elliott videos. He's like an OG director. <clears throat> Sasha actually. Can I ask you something? Who primarily listens to these? Because I don't. Um, I mean, I know. Not, not that I'm trying to. You like, want me to just like call out names? I mean, if you feel comfortable. But if not, you can give me a description of the type of person that actually listens to this. Dude, one. some people, some cool. That we grew up with? Yeah. Like, or people I don't know. I know that Foyt- Chris Voitel listens to every single one. I don't really know him that well. I met him at ba- Casey Bates listens to everyone. Billy listens to everyone. That's amazing. Uh, Chris. If you can uh, get those guys' attention, that's good enough. Yeah. And the guys like that. Like yeah. cool, like guys that are interested in like bettering their lives. And <clears throat> um, I'm just not a who? podcast person, I guess. David Myers. Yeah. David Myers is a good direct- director. Um, no, but like actually. You know, it's crazy. Like, like, you know, some really people that I really respect. Yeah. You know, and like have told me, like, I've listened That's to crazy. every single one. I've had people say, <clears throat> I've listened to every single podcast. Wow. I remember listening to Danny's. Chris. You and Danny was <laughs> dope. Chris Savager just sent me this. <laughs> I don't understand. Travis Collins or Jeremy Collins? Travis Collins? Jeremy Collins. No, it's a guy from our meeting, our primetime meeting. Let me see. No, it's not. It's just, I don't know why. Yeah, this is a guy. It's a neck. Um, But yeah, I mean, those are just the people that have told me. But I've had a lot of people message me. and. Does Chris listen to this? Savedra? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, every every uh, all and, and Chris. Chris's sponsee. Fuck you, Chris. Both Chris of, is my sponsor. Both of. Did Chris's you know Chris sponsees. is my sponsor? Does that piss you off? No, I'm Pat glad. was my sponsor twice. I'm glad. Um, but we we couldn't we couldn't do it anymore. Whoa, we got in a fight over rice. Remember that? Kevin Curtin. Do you know? Um, do you know a guy named? Do you know that a guy named uh, Ryan Howard? Pat. Yeah. Do you know Ryan Howard? You know what he told me? I don't see. That's what I'm saying. Like I, some of the stuff that's on here is really great, but then we hit some like. Ugh. Dude, because Kevin Curtin, your head is is like a, I don't know, like a like a psychiatrist's dream when the psychiatrist is used to diagnosing people with ADHD, your head is like the model for that. Right. It's just erratic. No, because I, your dad's I, a lot. I worked for your dad. Your dad's like a lot the same. You guys do a lot of stuff, but like it's, you can never focus. Like we just had this golden retriever at our house, like this nine month 
golden retriever named Jasper, and it couldn't look you in the eyes. It was just always like this. It was adorable, but because uh, I because yeah. I because I didn't post to my Instagram. Bro, Joe Rogan is like, you know what I'm Joe saying? Rogan's all over the place too, but he kind of gets I, I, a thing. I, 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 you just tag it up. Because I, 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 here's the thing much. is, I, 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 you're doing too much. No, because I asked them to post to Instagram, right? But man, I think they did want, you did one to Ridge. Oh, for me? Oh, that's great. Thank you. Can Sorry, we talk, I didn't Can we talk that. a little bit about um, outdoors and like fly fishing and yeah. like what I want to do? Yeah, but um, I, I just. Yes, my, but meaning no. My first sponsor. Kevin, I wish we had a third mic so we could loop him in. Kevin Curtin? Yeah. He just hit me up on Instagram. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. He's He's a Liberty House guy? Yeah. Whoa. He said, uh, I went to your Instagram post to delete my comment and it had 333 views. That's the reason I got sober. Cosmic. Crazy. It's because I've been talking about more, more about sobriety and... Wait, <clears throat> it's just some explain weird... that again. He went to your Instagram. He wrote a comment yeah. on my post uh-huh. about Travis Scott being a little fucking bitch, scared to talk about some real shit. And he went to go delete it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he went. I, he probably said he probably talked okay. a little shit about Travis, and then, and then said, said, like, said, "Ooh, I don't want to say that because people are just scared." I mean, if or Travis I... walked in right now, I'd be like, "Yo, dog, I know you got something to say." You can't always only just want to talk about how you're high all the time. Right, right, right. I'll say that right to his fucking face. Are you going to call him punk-ass bitch, though? No, he's not. He's ill. He's super right. talented. I just think, like, you can branch off and do more as an artist. Like, you don't need to stay. I think what was really interesting about I mean, look at, post, like, though. Wu-Tang and, like, even, even um, what? But what was really interesting about what you were saying was you literally paused and you said, are you trapped? I think there's truth to that. Oh, that's actually... Cause, cause I was talking to it about, I was talking about this with someone else <clears throat> and yeah, like I think that there might, might be, be some pressure to, to do what's been working, but that's why I respect Kanye so much because he just goes fully <laughs> off. Yeah. Like he just did a whole thing about like this Jesus shit, which is like, right. I don't care if you're into that or not. Like at least he's keeping you guessing. Yeah. <laughs> at least he's doing. Yeah, he's the wildest. Interesting. He's, that is I, the I, wildest I, guy there is. I just think he's Bro, not. He has it's not Agora even the, and Calabasas clothing line. Well, it's just the his clothing line. Smalls, when I listen to you talk, I don't actually hear words. I just want to pinch your cheeks. I love no, but you. He, he's 140 is not that expensive. Not really, no. I, I bought I bought a hoodie for like six hundred. It's out of line. Actually, if there's anybody listening to this graph, podcast actually, that does this, I do not approve. I do not co-sign that in any way. There's a lot better things you can purchase for six hundred bucks than a fucking piece of clothing. Unbelievable. What would you say? Oh. Uh huh. Can we get another mic here? And, and and let's wrap this up, and then let's do another one on fly fishing. Oh, hell yeah. Okay? All right. I mean, we'll just start again with Ryan. Fuck yeah. And then you could talk yes. about your shit. Oh, I mean, yeah. if, if you're down to go. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Let me yeah, just check go. in with the wife. <clears throat> let's just go for Let's just go. It'll, it'll go by quick. Because I want to bang one out. We could even do a third one with you. 
Uh, or like maybe tomorrow. But we're, we're this this is about to die. This camera's this this this. So stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to be talking with Troy and Ryan about like fly fishing and shit. But thanks for listening, guys. <clears throat> um, and uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs>